All right, you want to bring us in? Yeah, let's do it. So, all right, welcome to episode seven. It's seven. It must be seven because this is the seventh Hellrage movie. Welcome to episode seven <laughs> of We Are Professional Podcasters. Uh, this is We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, the dress rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> We're just, we'll, 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 we'll get it live. Um, fix it in uh, post. Yeah, exactly. Uh, strong start. If you hear this, we didn't fix it in post. Yes. I, it turns out that I sold that post to a guy who was building a fence, so we're just stuck with it. Uh, this is episode seven of We Have Such Films to Show You, the podcast in which uh, me, Josh Millard, and him, Yakov Grunberg, uh, watch the Hellraiser movies, because there's nine of them for some reason, and uh, we uh, talk about how uh, not good they eventually have gotten at this point. Uh, how you doing, Yakov? I'm pretty well. I, I'm, I'm disappointed at this movie, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> disappointed compared to your level of expectation or just disappointed uh disappointed just based on the fact that it the the first half maybe even two acts of this movie are not awful they're you know it's whoever's making this movie like at least in the first part sort of understood the limitations of what they were doing and worked within that and then it just all just 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 falls apart like a like a cake made of sand <laughs> oh sand cake <laughs> you're never delicious uh yeah no I, I i kind of agree and uh this is like the last two films and like uh the next one Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do in a couple weeks uh, a spec script that got rewritten to be a Hellraiser film, and this one was actually written by uh, Tim Day, one of the two guys who wrote uh, the previous film as well. Um, and apparently, he rewrote it from a spec script by a guy named Benjamin Carr uh, under that guy's possibly his pen name for particularly bad horror movies or spec. Are you sure you're on the right movie? I thought this was written by uh, Neil Marshall Stevens. Neil Marshall Stevens. A.K.A. Benjamin Carr, who goes as ah. Neil Marshall Stevens sometimes for reasons I, you know, up to him entirely. Uh, he wrote the original spec script, and then Tim Day apparently came in like two years later uh, to do a rewrite on it, and they ended up turning it into Hellraiser movie. And uh, there's um, yeah. there, there's a blog called Hope Lies, and they actually got their hands on the original pre Hellraisery script. Oh, nice! And they they give a rundown of it, and it's um. Yeah, it, it, it makes a lot more sense when you take the Hellraiser stuff out of it. <laughs> yeah, as, as one might think. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Ah, uh, man, yeah. I, I have to say, uh, this movie, like, for the first time in a really long time in the series, they had some genuinely scary scenes, though. Like, it, as, yeah, as far as, like, scaring me, uh, just viscerally, it, it, it succeeded once, twice or so. It had some at least moments. once, you know, yeah. it, 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 like you said. Especially, it starts off as a uh, not terrible film or anything. You know, it's 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 got something going for it. Some of the story ideas are interesting. It's not handled super badly. Um, the whole thing really does collapse under the weight of being converted to a Hellraiser script. But but there's some nice sort of horror stuff driving it, which is which is you know it's, it's, you can ask for that. I I want to say this, uh, and I think uh, I think Art White was saying this on. Uh, on uh, Twitter the other day that this, you know, struck him as like the least Hellraiser-y of the Hellraiser films, which I think is also fair and kind of problematic yeah. for something that is nominally a Hellraiser film. It really feels like a movie that's very, very much not even in the franchise, you know, in terms of some of the 
tonal thematics of it. Like the things that work well for it are all things that aren't Hellraiser. They're uh, right. they're they're just a different, unrelated horror film. You know, that's doing its own thing and doing it not terribly. And, and yeah. yeah, like I I still I I still cannot put together how the Hellraiser stuff actually relates to it in like the mythology of the movie. They they just really never quite finish explaining it they, they sort of give you the, the the vague like idea of how you know winter is, is related to you know um pinhead and and how why they have the box and what they're trying to do but they never really they never really you know sit down and actually say this is this is what's happening which is this movie would have desperately needed that yeah. because of just how tacked on it was it, it's very it's very dissatisfying mechanically because yeah it uh it, it ends up it ends up like like you're going to shoehorn in the Hellraiser, but then you don't really even make the shoehorning function. Like I feel like in the previous two films, I wasn't super you know thrilled with what they did with the Hellraiser mythology, but at least there was sort of kind of a sense that it was invol- involved for some sort of coherent reason, if, even if I not you know my ideal picture of how Pinhead would spend his free time. But this one, right. it just I really I got done with this film, and I've seen it. I've seen it twice now. I watched it originally like a, a year and change ago, probably, and then I rewatched it yesterday. And uh, I really came away not knowing or totally caring what the fuck was supposed to be going on with the resolution. It's like I just kind of was yeah. like, uh, I don't even, I don't even know who I'm supposed to like, you know, suspect of having what motive by the way this ends, or how was, or what the the climax was meaningfully supposed to represent with the main character's self sacrifice and. It just, yeah, it was all, it was so soggy. It was so, it was so uh, disappointingly, like, you know, unclear as to what we were, like, and not in a good ambiguity, like, my God, I can't figure out what's going on. It's so confusing. No, it's just like, I can't figure out what the fuck they were trying to do, you know? And then there was that weird coda that just, like, had these implications that the the, the main journalist guy was behind it all, but there's no way that he could have. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's a that's mess. weird because I got to that and I was expecting that. Like I remembered from the first time I, I saw it that oh yeah, and it was all part of his grand scheme. And I was thinking maybe he's some sort of agent of the labyrinth. But then on rewatch, I felt like that wasn't as clear, clearly there. Like maybe he mm. was just actually an asshole, and he was like, "Well, uh, Amy didn't get back to me, but I still want the story." Hello, new girl. Uh, take a look at this videotape. You're going to Romania. You know, it was, so like, it doesn't even need to be sinister. It can just be him being kind of a mercenary asshole boss. You know, he's like, yep. I'll send someone off to get killed because uh, I'm a tabloid journalist. Should we go through the characters? I guess so, we probably uh, should. Yeah. So there's any context for any of this for anybody yeah. who hasn't watched this. <coughs> so there's uh, there's Amy Klein, who everybody constantly refers to as by her full name, Amy Klein. Did you notice that? Yeah. No, that was weird. There's a lot. Yeah. Of um, so she is sort of like the like a hard as nails, uh, you know, journalist, you know, hard smoking, hard drinking, uh, doesn't take any shit. Which I, I think you know they actually uh, did a pretty good job uh, with the characterization, save for everything. But the like really fucking this is just, this is a giant pet peeve of mine and of a lot of people that you know I talk to about this kind of stuff is that. The, the movie had, like, a very vague, completely undeveloped, like, sexual abuse subplot that had just – it did not need to be there at all in any way. It was, like, I, I – it was just so extraneous, and especially when you're dealing with, like, that subject matter, 
if it's going to be even remotely extraneous, it shouldn't be in there because it just really makes the movie shittier. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like they threw it in to be sort of this like dark, terrible thing, and then they didn't develop it all. Like 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 they they sort of come back to it, but only you know glancingly in a in a way that's itself very weird. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I feel like maybe this is something that really did work in the original script. Like maybe it wasn't it really, in the original script. Oh Jesus Christ! You're kidding me. <laughs> no <Nope>. fucking. <laughs> Tim Day, we are going to have words. Uh, ah, that's 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 much more confounding then because it really doesn't work in this script either. So yeah, no, that that is a weird a weird recurring, and they don't go super explicit with it, but it's pretty clearly intended to be like yeah, yeah. Amy, you know, having flashbacks to her childhood of her cartoonishly thuggish dad, presumably sexually molesting her or something. Uh, but all in flashbacks and, and implications and whatnot. And then they go, yeah. there's a twist later on in some of that, but the twist isn't even totally clear what it's supposed to mean. So, uh, wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree totally. It's like, it's like you, you kind of fucked up your film some for the sake of something that didn't even, you know, accomplish yeah. anything in your film. What, what are you thinking? Uh, but the um the actor I mean the character itself was, it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty good character. It's, it's a tropey character, but they, they didn't really fuck it up. Yeah, and, and I they, mean, this and, is and the, the actress was pretty was pretty good at it. Although I, I looked her up, her name's Carrie Wurr. Her Wikipedia page and a number of interviews with her are really centered on her breast implants. Jeez, <laughs> oh, like there's repeated references. Like there's at least three references to them in her Wikipedia page. I read a couple of interviews with her where she keeps talking about her breasts and about how they almost ruined her film career because she became you know the woman with the enormous breasts or something. Huh. So I think, and this I think this was after she got them out, and that the she she took on this role. Interesting. So that was just that was just a little a little weird, um, especially because like she's not very sexualized in this, which I which I appreciated. Like, save for just this one like sort of scene where she's you know she's she's basically naked, but it's it's not like in a particularly sexy way, especially with what's going on in the scene. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, kind the, of the, the gaping that. chest wound. You mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where she, she Although up. briefly before that, she she's in the tub, and there is sort of like a she's naked in the tub, and a little bit, uh, of, yeah. a little bit of nipple they sneak in there that feels a little bit like classically horror movie. Hey, let's throw in some tits. Yeah. Although they'd already thrown in a bunch on the subway earlier, so at that point <laughs> it felt very understated and classy, basically. Uh, she okay. Let's let, let's talk about this briefly. Carrie Wurr, also notably, uh, I mean, she's been doing voice acting uh, lately, apparently successfully. Uh, did some Justice League thing and as Black Canary. She's been Maria Hill on the recent Avengers mm. cartoon series. Uh, she was also a recurring character on Sliders. I saw uh, which that. Is I where no I idea think maybe I sort of recognize them. Oh, yeah. It went on for a long time. And she was in Anaconda. Uh, yeah. So, you yeah, know, that's something. She was also in some really terrible stuff. She was in uh, Hitcher 2. They made a sequel to The Hitcher. Uh, but this time it was Jake Busey instead of Rutger Hauer, which, I mean, if you're going to make, uh, sure, Jake Busey, he he does a good creepy weirdo. I'm glad he's got, yeah. But uh, still. And, and it's funny, too, if you look at some, like, publicity shots of him, he's actually a pretty good looking guy from a from the right angle. And from another angle, he's Gary Busey's kid. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's, he, he, he can really look totally pretty normal when he's not Buseying it up. Um, but, okay, so Carrie Wurr, she was also a character named Allison in two other films, specifically the fourth and the fifth prophecy films. 
Uh, so, so she's like the same character in both of those, which I guess are sort of like a matched pair that were basically shot at the same time as direct-to-video things after Walken was no longer involved in the series and shot. Okay, so this has come up a couple of times that someone, someone or someone else, you know, was involved in something related to prophecy. Uh, they are really, really related. I looked through the cast on this and just started looking for people who had credits on uh, on this film, but who also had credits on Prophecy. It's like Prophecy Uprising and Prophecy Revelation or something like that are the name of the yeah. fourth and fifth movies. And there's a ton of people, like a bunch of the actors in huh. here, a ton of the crew. Uh, well, the, do, you, do you remember you were talking about how there's that like um, Hell, Hellraiser Prophecy, the fan film that yeah. that uh, so there's a sequel fan film to Hellraiser Prophecy that's based entirely um, on the character of Winter in Hellraiser Deader, which is the uh-huh. movie we're talking about now. We'll, so, have, we'll, we'll have to watch this at some point, yeah, because there's a there's a whole there's a whole thing going on here. Yeah, like the the, the landlord is in one of the prophecy mm-hmm. films. Uh, Marla from this is in one of the prophecy films. Yeah. Uh, one of the debtors, one of the subway cops, who was also the second unit assistant director of both of those prophecy films, as well as uh, on Hellworld, the next one of these. Right. Uh, the Cenobite victim on the subway, the lady being stitched up by the Cenobite after the subway goes weird. Uh, she has acting roles in one of the prophecy films and in the next Hellraiser film. Uh, the Spike Cenobite, whose scenes were deleted. That's the actual credit on DB. Yeah. Spike Cenobite scenes deleted uh, in this film. Also worked makeup on the film. Uh, and on Hellseeker, uh, <laughs> and both of the later Prophecy films, and acted in Hellworld, and in one of the Prophecy. So, and then like there's executive producers involved, and uh, one of the producers, Ron Schmidt, uh, produced the previous and the next one, and both Prophecies, and Dracula 2000, which I've never seen, but uh, can't John be Carpenter's Dracula 2000. Wasn't I, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen the film, but uh, yeah. it can't be nearly as bad as Dracula 3000. Um, the one with Casper Van Dien that I think we mentioned previously, and directly 2000 has Nathan Fillion in it, so I should really see that sometime. Huh. But yeah, it's just crazy. Like you know, casting directors, art directors, set director, makeup, production management, drivers, stunts, cameras, electrical gaffers. It's it's like the same. I think they just seriously got together in 2005 in Romania and shot four <laughs> horror films. Just like shot them all. I just got it all in the can because hey, uh, I need to I need to figure out how to like access the IMDb API programmatically and just create like graphs of this. Cause I think there's a, there's a big infographic to be made of the weird crew and cast connections between these. And eventually, these, uh, you know, you'll be in your apartment. There's just newspapers pinned up all over the walls, you know, little strings going between the pins, linking the conspiracy <laughs> together. <laughs> but then they'll take it. Well, they'll, like all the pins and they'll, they'll realize, yes, but what if we map this onto a globe? My God, it's, it's pinhead. And it all, you know, <laughs> that's what'll happen and but then it'll all just be 10. a dream yes <laughs> we've got so many good pitches for hellraiser 10 at this point i don't understand how it hasn't been made yet they should be they should be hiring us do you hear that hollywood moguls listening to this podcast we have ideas and they're inexpensive come on rick boda you know you want to back get back in this uh in this game <laughs> is he out of the game i don't know I, I, well he, yeah. he didn't make nine so you know Oh, did he? No, yeah, he, that's... Yeah, well, I, as far as I can tell, nobody who worked on Nine uh, was anybody who ever worked on any other Hellraiser stuff, probably. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it's going to be, that's going to be a hell of an episode when we do that one, because it manages yeah. to somehow, once again, find a precipitous cliff to drop off in quality after we've already sort of experienced that over the last uh, few. Yeah. 
So this movie, this, I guess we should talk about Okay, I want to say, uh, you were talking about uh, how they established her character, and I feel like they did. Like, the opening montage of this film, actually, um, after the credits, which notably didn't have any Hellraiser uh, content in them, that was another yeah, The credits were very, like, indie French film sort of thing, where it was just, like, black and white tiles, which will make sense later, and then just very... I mean, it, it, it looked like spooky comic sans. Um you know, as the uh, the credits font, and then the title just comes in as like just basically like any other credit. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a odd sort of title sequence, very very subdued um, for 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 you know Hellraiser, which at the very least you're you're you know used to this like bombastic music behind. It. I didn't even have that. Yeah, yeah, no no flash of pinhead, no big box yeah. imagery, no yeah. Uh, the the I want to say the title font was actually it was actually more of a like rounded serif. Uh, like an elongated, rounded serif typewriter type sort of thing, ah. uh, like 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 a shitty typewriter or a spooky typewriter. Which, hey, journalism, uh, maybe yeah. it's like. Although I don't think we saw anybody in this film ever like type up copy. So uh, there was some chattering on laptops at one point in an office, but but no no big journalism tropes. I'm kind of I, I kind of wanted her sitting in a hotel room several times in the film, smoking and typing under a like bare light bulb. Uh, but uh, I'll just have to write my own. Uh, fanfic are you, yeah. you going to write debtor fanfic yeah you know it <laughs> and then I'll film myself typing it on a crappy typewriter and it'll all just come back in on itself how do but you yeah. film something with a typewriter so so the opening they, yeah they've got the credits and then and then we get like shots of like uh, bottles of booze and drugs and oh yes yes been, the 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 drug den of all drugs. It's like it's it's not a crack house. It's not like you know a a a, a meth attic. It's if they, they have all the drugs there. Yeah, it's the morning after a, a serious party and everybody's passed out on each other. You know, we see some girl take a hit off a bong. We see some girl having the shakes. And well, the, the first shot is actually um, somebody cooking heroin on a spoon. Like it's, oh, right, it's really it's right. uh, yeah, it's like a what do you call it? A fisheye shot of like heroin cooking in a spoon. So you know this movie's going to be gritty. Yeah, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. This this is real talk, people. So then we get the slow zoom on on uh, Amy mm-hmm. on a couch, sort of waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's got a camera and she takes pictures and she's got a tape recorder. So, you know, now we know, okay, she's a, she's a bad girl investigative reporter and she goes to the office and she rebuffs it. Well, no, wait, wait, before she, uh, b- before she leaves after she's taking pictures. Um, so she's walking out of the, 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 the drug den oh, right. and there's a couple of people and they're hitting just like a little glass pipe. Uh, and it looked like just like a pot pipe. It didn't even look yeah, like anything. Like, hey, you some weed. Yeah, and and she like as she's opening the door, like the light hits the guy, and he sort of you know kind of recoils from it, which was pretty funny. But then she's like, "Nah, I got everything I need." And she takes out her tape recorder, rewinds it, it makes the rewinding noise, and then just walks out. And I'm just like, "What? What was the point of that little flourish?" Right I guess, there? I guess that way, get- that way you know it's a tape recorder for people. See, it, that, that scene takes place in England, and the only thing that would have been better is that she does that, and then they all just sort of, like, peek up, and then there's, like, a Benny Hill chase scene where they're chasing her, trying to get the tape recorder. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. bunch, of, bunch of squinting, slow-moving uh, junkies. <laughs> like, oh, no, a tape recorder, man. I suddenly care about this at all for some reason. Um, yeah. And then she arrives at, uh, at, at the offices of her paper, the London Underground, and everybody tells her she's late. Yep. Like they, I mean, just 
basically every piece of dialogue in the opening of this movie is somebody telling Amy, oh, nice of you to join us. Oh, late again. Amy, it sure is not, you know, morning. Skipping them staff meetings. Uh, Oh, but uh, the one other thing that happens there is she rebuffs an inappropriate workplace advance with Moxie. The guy's like, hey, maybe show me what you learned. She's like, really? Right here? Right now? Oh, well, no. He he, he says this from Plato. Somebody gives her like a copy of like her latest article and it's called, um, the article is called How to Be a Crack Whore. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I I live in New York City. We have the post here. I'm pretty sure we've had more than one headline that was just the word asshole. But I, isn't that a little on the nose? So, well, you know, it's. I saw that and it made me think of like the local uh, alt weeklies we have in town here. Like, like we've got a paper called the Portland Mercury that's basically the same thing as the Seattle Stranger, and I could see them printing that. But it'd be sort of like a sp- special new column humor piece. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. Like I, I can't see that. Like for like a serious expose of. Uh, I wasn't really sold on a whole lot about this publication yeah. for what it's worth. It, yeah, it I don't understand very... what kind of uh, – th- that was the thing. I was wondering, what kind of news – is this like – is it a tabloid? Is it like you know just a shitty newspaper? Is it an alt-weekly? I really couldn't pin down what sort of paper the London Underground is. Yeah. There was not a real clear sense of the mechanics of this workplace. But yeah, and so the guy's like, uh, hey, maybe you can show me what you learned and and she gets all boiled. Oh, you really think right here, maybe right now? And he's like, "Well, maybe later." And and boy, and yeah, she says something else sassy. And I just like the lines weren't even very good, but it was just like she says, a, "Maybe never." Oh, that, that yeah. was her big reply. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the, the film sets her up pretty well this way early on. Yeah. As like, yeah, she's this is what she does, and she's she's sassy, and she stands up herself, and she's she's hard hard drinking, smoking, wears a leather jacket takes no shit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so it's an effective setup, even if a kind yeah. of a direct-to-video sort of <laughs> setup, I guess. It, yeah. feels, it feels a bit hammy, but, uh, but it gets a character across, I guess. Yeah, like we know exactly who we're dealing with what, you know, as the movie begins. So that's, I mean, that, that's, that's better than, you know, the character introductions of the last two where, you know, we're dealing with these schmucks and we don't know who they are or what they're doing or why. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give that to them. Um, yeah, and then so she goes, she shows up at the office of her um, boss, I guess. I mean, they, they, they seem to have like some sort of pre-existing relationship where they worked on other papers. Um, and the guy who sees, you know, this sort of British guy and the guy who's playing her boss is clearly trying to act like he's, you know, a creepy guy in a Hellraiser movie. But instead of coming off as the creepy guy in a Hellraiser movie, he comes off as a guy acting like a creepy guy in a Hellraiser movie. <laughs> it's just so affected that you think that at some point they're going to be like, oh, you, let's get on with the real business. Come on, stop fooling around. Like, it's just that, that like, ham-handed uh, uh, characterization for him that... Yeah, and no, he never gives it up. Whole movie. Well, and and yeah, I was I was willing to read his character as just being sort of like a annoying prick that way. Like like it, like that's what everybody thought he, of him. Like is exactly what we got viewing. It's like oh no, he's actually just he's sort of this pretentious guy, but he's the boss. So uh, whatever, put up with his weird affected uh, bullshitty stance. But yeah, it's and you know he reminds me he's not the same guy, but he reminds me of a guy from some uh, horror movie that I can't remember, but it was on the cover. I assumed it was the guy, and I just see it when I looked him up on IMDb. But no, he's actually just some some other guy who's been in some stuff. So that's my anecdote for the day. There you go. He looks like a guy who isn't. 
from a movie that was something. Yes, that I couldn't remember. I'm basically somebody in Blockbuster asking the clerk if they have that one movie, you know. It had (laughs) a face on the cover, you know. It had, you know, it was about a thing. (sighs) Anyway, the, the, the boss shows her a tape. He got a videotape. Uh, it's a tape of the beginning of the movie Videodrome where this exact thing happens. <laughs> and he, he, no. he, he asks her if, he's, if she's ever heard of the debtors. If, she, if she's ever heard of debtors, because you know, yeah. that's the title, of the, the subtitle of the film, Debtor. And she's yeah, like, the name of oh, like, yeah. the cult. Yeah, debtors. I know about debtors. I've got like two months of whatever on my credit card. I'm a debtor. Because like, she thought he meant like someone who's in debt. Oh, wordplay. Yeah, and he's like, not debtors, debtors. And I'm just like, did, did somebody watch that Seinfeld episode right before this and thought it would actually <laughs> be good to put it in unironically? <laughs> be, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah and, the, and then he tells her, you know, he's just like, I've got this tape to show you. And her first question is, is it porn or something? And, you know, I mean, that's, that's the first reaction I would have to somebody wanting to show me a tape. Uh, hey, you want to check out this tape? Is it, is it porn? No, it's it's my nephew's bar mitzvah. What? What? Uh, okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, but he says that her um, her knowledge of skankology will help out in this, and that was just that was. I mean, wow! I I who's who's like high school kid wanted input on this script because that's the only way I can figure out how that line got in there. Hey, you know she's she's a foremost uh, degreed expert in uh, the skankological discipline. Um, yeah, yeah. And then they um, let me see. Oh yeah, and then they and then they watch the very very well produced, uh, well edited uh, home movie. This is an issue. So yeah, we 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 see this video of this whole cultish thing, and you know the important thing is supposed to be what's going on. But I was so distracted. How many fucking videographers does this <laughs> resurrection cult who lives in a basement have? Because there's a yeah, ton there's of a... coverage. They've got like four or five cover like like sh- different angles. They're cutting. Yeah, there's like B-roll of people like re- reacting to what's going on. That there's close-ups that of like there. There's a scene where Winter, who's like the cult leader, and I think it was Marla or whoever the girl was um, at that time. No, Marla was doing the the recording. Where they're like standing face to face, and then there's like a severe close shot of the gir- close up shot of the girl's face. That would mean that Winter would have to be holding the camera, or they'd have to have like shot it like you do on an actual film set, where they replace the actor with the camera person. So, yeah, yeah it's it's it's, it's, uh, it's bizarre. It's the sort of thing where like it up. I I understand that we're not supposed to be thinking about this and we're certainly not supposed to be thinking about the characters thinking about this because they're supposed to be wrapped in by this weird creepy thing but you're watching what looks like it must almost certainly be a stage effect sequence and it's shot in such doting detail and edited so aggressively compared to an actual camcorder you know just one shot of something happening that of course how would you not immediately say wow that's a nice little bit of a uh, uh, footage that that guy put together we should definitely see if he's interested in producing a film you know yes. rather than oh my god it's a secret cult and romance yes it's just, it's upsetting the disconnect there's there's slow motion there's like a slow-mo shot where something dramatic is happening so the so you know the, the film rate slows down and uh, is, that, is that a button on a camera can you do that it it was just yeah yeah it, it's, it was, it's really it's really it's troubling and i want to i want to talk about the video thing in general over the last several films because mm-hmm. i feel like 
this this may just be you know coincidence as much as anything, um, and to some extent maybe a reflection of the types of things that uh, the director and the writers involved you know like doing. But uh, I feel like there's been this recurring theme of video footage uh, for most of the franchise's journey into direct to video land here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like we never saw videotape before. Like in in Hellraiser three. Uh, uh, Kirsty appears on the tape. Yeah, yeah. Joey looks at some surveillance footage of Kirsty from the hospital, uh, mm-hmm. and there's like you know video monitors on the the station in Hellraiser Four, incidentally. But like not not neither of those are big focuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it feels like video's been kind of almost like a prominent background character in the film since then. Like Hellraiser Five, uh, at the very least, had the the videotape that he receives that has the footage of uh, whatever oh, yeah, sketchy ice cream bar, yeah. that he plays at the bar, and then it's blank later. Um, and the then next one has six has, video. Yeah, just scads of video throughout the, the, mm-hmm. the sixth one. And now this one's building this whole first act around this this snuff video. It, just, it, it, it feels like something about direct-to-video means also let's make sure there's video in the film. I don't know. It's I don't know. Yeah, it's no. I, I totally get what you're saying, uh, but I don't. Maybe they're just like trying to insert their own recurring thing into just Hellraiser, just like the Hellraiser series, because they've completely stopped doing any recurring imagery from the previous ones. Yeah. So they're just like, hey, you know what? You know what Hellraiser is going to be about? Video footage. Yeah, that works. Why not? Yeah, sure. We certainly don't have Cenobites anymore. We got to put something on there. Um. Yeah. Oh, so this this bugged the shit out of me. So, um, the, so she's watching the video. Basically, what happens is she walks in, um, you know, and the, the guy is just like, uh, she's like, I have this video. So he puts it on. He goes to sit at her desk. She sits down in the chair in front of the TV screen, and then there's another a number of like reaction shots to her watching the stuff. And at some point, she looks over at him sitting at his desk, and the eyeline match is completely off. I have no idea where he's sitting at this point or where she's looking at. It was just that weird. Yeah. Because they're supposed to have an eyeline match, and they and they do in in the shot, like, you know, her eyes go this way, his eyes goes that way, there's an eyeline match there, but it doesn't match based on where they are in the room yeah, at it's, all. It's totally fucked according to the, the blocking we've been shown on camera, which is like, it's pointlessly dumb, and you know, it's like, ugh. There was there was there was that, and then there was like in a, in a later scene, there's like some ADR'd coughing that was just so obviously ADR'd because the character isn't doing anything when the coughing <laughs> noise starts. Um, oh, should we explain what ADR is? Or? Sure, yeah. It's uh, is it what does the A stand for? Automated? Is it automated dialogue replacement? Yeah, I don't or, remember. Hang on. ADR. Okay, it, so also, uh, also known as looping, oftentimes. Uh, basically, they go in after the fact, and for whatever reason, possibly because they just needed to fix a, a, a crappy recording, or, or in some cases, they need to you know replace a, a word if you're doing like the clean cut of a film, right? Um, or maybe you even changed actors entirely for the voice, like uh, Conan, like in Conan the Barbarian, was it the original Conan that they replaced Schwarzenegger? Uh, with some other voice actor to because they were like he sounds too much like he's Austrian and chewing marbles. Anyway, was definitely, it? I, I had no it was idea. some some Schwarzenegger film that definitely happened. Oh, okay, that, um, oh no, that I would believe that. I, yeah, I would definitely believe that. Um, yeah, automated dialogue replacement, and um, basically they just re re record a line and they 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 do their best to match the recorded line to the way people's mouths are moving. Yeah. So yeah, you'll actually see this a lot of the times if a character has like their back to the. Uh, 
to um, the camera. Uh, you once you start noticing it, you never stop. So I wouldn't suggest anybody <laughs> try to look out for this because it just ruins everything. Um, but yeah, so that that was yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those interesting little bits of uh, the filmmaking process that's also hard to unsee once you see it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like the zipper on the back of the costume where. Or like the strings holding up the UFO, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, oh, and so what happens on the video is that you know they uh, they they can they they it's it's like a little cult thing with a mattress on the floor, and they're like, um, you know, uh, Winter, who's the cult leader, who looks kind of like a cross between. Have you seen um, Better Off Ted or Andy Richter controls the universe? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen Better uh, Off Ted. Uh, you know the guy who plays Phil, the scientist, like the little Weasley one. <laughs> It looks like him crossed with the guy who plays uh, Sam on Supernatural, or the guy who plays uh, the oldest son on Seventh Heaven. Like, if you ever seen those like face replacement things, where like uh, they're, they're popular on Tumblr, where it's like an animated GIF where like they replace somebody's face with somebody else's, you know, head and body, and they do a pretty good job of it. It's like that. It's like Phil's face on you know uh, Sam's body. It, it's this. It's weird, uh, just how much that looks like it. And maybe I'll Photoshop that for the uh, for the. Bonus footage or blog post for this. <laughs> do it, do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they get this girl to say, you know, my body's not real, my skin's not real. It's 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 the culty thing. And then she lays down and then she uh, blows her brains out. Um, and it, it's weird because I, I just watched Pulp Fiction like a couple of days before watching the movie. And if you remember like the Marvin scene where they just, you know, ooh, I shot Marvin in the face. And, like, you know, the whole car is covered in blood. This was like the equivalent of she shot herself in the head and, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? If you ever sprayed somebody with a ketchup bottle, I don't know why you would. I never have. But I assume what it would be like if you sprayed somebody with a ketchup bottle, that's what, it was, that was, that's what the effect was like. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of surprisingly uh, – it, it didn't show off blowing, you know, a bunch of brain matter through your head very well. And it was a huge fucking gun too. It was, it yeah. was, uh, I mean, it looked like a magnum. Yeah, it was, it was so a that, big old thing. And yeah, it, 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 well, it's funny because like it, it's not like splattering blood – onto plastic sheeting is a particularly expensive effect to do. I mean, that's one of the ones you can kind of get a lot of volume out of pretty cheap. You just need to throw a lot of blood. I, I don't know. Yeah. It did seem a little bit underwhelming. Well, and, and, and so, so they watch this thing, and Amy's character says to her boss's character, tell me this is some kind of special effect. After what was <laughs> clearly a special effects sequence in a film produced by special effects giant Stan Winston. And it's like, I know to some extent it's kind of funny and ironic when people in a movie are accidentally correct about the fact that something is being produced in a movie, even though they aren't aware of it because they're inside of it instead of, you know. But but it's, it's, uh, it was, uh, I, I couldn't not sort of be like, really? Yeah. Just, uh, just find any other way to convey that than the one that makes us constantly think about what is going on in the film yeah. in, a, in, a, in a pulled out of the film sort of way. So, so and, the, um, oh, and then the footage just, you know, this well-produced, well-paced footage just cuts. Yeah. They just, you know, they, I guess they ran out of budget for an ending or, um, yeah, that was pretty, pretty funny. Um, that's what happens when you watch the cinema of the real man. It's not all nice. It doesn't fit into boxes. It doesn't. Yeah. And then um, Charles, we, we get another night of the paper headline where he says, you know, miracles don't just happen at Lords. And I, what, what is? Do you, do you have any idea what that means? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't catch the line. I was like typing at the time, and I didn't go back for it. So, uh, so no, I don't. 
Our Lady of Lords, title of Blessed Virgin Mary invoked by Roman Catholics in honor of Marian apparitions, based on separate, various individuals seeing it on separate occasion in Lords, France. Uh, oh, 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 okay. There we That's, go. Okay. Um, oh, it's really funny, though. After that, she, uh, they're in her office, and she lights a cigarette. He takes a cigarette away from her and puts it out on the ashtray he has on his desk. Either you can smoke in there or you can't. And if you can't, why would you just have already have the ashtray there? I think he's just a prick. I think he's just, uh, I think he's just kind of like, uh, that's his whole thing. He's like, hey, I'm annoying to work with because, hey, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it was very conspicuous and didn't make a whole lot of sense because, yeah, maybe she's just so compulsively smoking that he keeps an ashtray around just to steal and put out <laughs> her cigarettes. That could be it. They've got a weird uh, fucked up codependent uh, dynamic going on there. So I want I want to I want to say a nice thing about the film here and then immediately complain about it. Uh, what they do right after this is basically he's selling her on. Okay, you're going to go to Romania and you're going to check out this whole cult thing where all the cool Euro trash yeah. kids are headed because he's got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Something. So he, so so he he gives her a ticket and you know some money and 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 sends her on her way. But we get this uh, they 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 go for the economy of storytelling thing here in continuing sort of the expository setup for this trip to Romania while also showing us the traveling to Romania. So we start cutting from the office to, you know, shot of a oh, train, shot this. of her walking through a train station. And the idea is yeah. good cuz like, you know, he manages to keep talking. We keep Yeah, that that first cut from the office to the train was very well done. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, hey, this is a nice touch. They're, we're just going to flow right over." But then they keep cutting back and forth. And this is this is a problem because it's it it's you're getting this great forward progress with this immediate cut to the train while mm-hmm. he's talking about the fact that she's going to be traveling. It's like, "Okay, yes, <laughs> then we can just be there. That's a nice nice tight little thing to do." But then we cut back to the office and we cut and back she's to still her. In there. And yeah, that's the thing. Like they could have even cut back to him talking in the office and it wouldn't have been as much a problem but we're cutting forward to amy like in or en route to romania and then we're cutting back to amy facing the camera in the office and back to amy in romania amy back in the office but not doing anything important in either of these like right. in, in the traveling scenes at least she looks like she's traveling okay we're selling that but in the office she's just standing around looking at you know her boss and talking to him so it's like you did a good thing and then you just like backed right up from it and <laughs> went back and forth like three or four times so that's just like ah it's like it was dumb that they did it that way. And and then they get to Bucharest where it's been made incredibly clear over the last like 30 seconds of the film that Bucharest is where she's going and she's going to Bucharest. And also Bucharest is where she should go with a ticket to Bucharest. And then they show a title card saying Bucharest. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. Don't insult our... Ah, gee, ah, ah. <laughs> so yes, uh, they, managed to, they managed to win me and lose me inside of the space of about a minute there. Yeah, that, I, I really want to know how that decision got made like if it was maybe like the director or or like the dp or somebody and the editor were just just had they had a good idea and then there was just some sort of horrible miscommunication and there's not a lot of time to shoot this thing because nobody's getting clearly nobody's getting paid a lot of money and they were just like you know what fuck it it at, at least at least we know what's happening kind of and you know it, yeah, I, I just felt like somebody gave up somewhere, and that's why that ended up like yeah. that. And then they showed because, it. They, they had a they had a test screening, and one of the one of the executives was like, "Yeah, okay, but where is she now? <laughs> yeah, well, she's in she's in Puka. Well, then put it on the screen. Yeah, I need to know where they are. The uh, the DP actually had never worked in a horror movie before. Apparently, oh, interesting. 
Yeah, so that was actually, I mean, and there's some scenes in here that are good horror scenes, which is uh, pretty cool that, you know, this is this is somebody's like, you know, it's a beginner's luck or, you know, just skill or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. as far as shot setups, it's not badly shot or anything. There's, you know, perfectly good, yeah. you know, camera work uh, throughout the film. Uh, um, yeah, and then she um, she arrives in this uh, sort of creepy apartment building. Um, I don't, I, where is it? Where is it again? Is it is it is it in Hungary? I, I Bucharest. Think I think it's Bangkok. Bucharest. Something like oh, Bangkok. Okay, yeah, so she arrives yeah. in this building in Bangkok. <laughs> um, and I shit you not, I, 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 if they shot this in Romania, then it, the, then my point. I have no point. But if they shot this in Prague, I, I think I've been in that shitty building, and they had bed bugs. I think they shot in Romania, but maybe the same guy built uh, buildings in both. In the same they bugs. Wandered all over Europe, building bed bug apartments. Yeah. I just I really clearly remember <laughs> a very precarious old staircase like that. Um, just trying to ascend and descend it while drunk. So, maybe you yeah. walked through a door in Prague and you entered a building in Romania. There's, it's a door to another world, but not like you know. It's actually a door to the same world, just the wrong space. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, she gets the creepy apartment building, and there's like a dog licking at the base of the door, and there's flies a lot of, coming a lot of out. Just ambient dogs in this movie. Yeah, there are. There's several times. There's just a dog around, and she's like, "Oh, hey, a dog." Um, and she and has they to, never make anything of it. Which yeah. Is, well, they never make anything of the birds, and there's birds in this one too. I think people just like, "Hey, you know, okay. animals." Yeah. My cousin runs a zoo. <laughs> there was I, um. <laughs> my dog's diabetic. I have to bring him to the set. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're working long days. He needs he needs a shot. Maybe you can put him in the film. Here, let him lick that door. Ah, it's great. Yeah. I was reading a New Yorker article a while back about just like early, early cinema. And it was just, I think it was about cliffhangers, just the concept of cliffhangers and stuff. And they were talking about like the early film serials where one of them was just somebody like damsel in distress or something where um, like through the, the, the first episode, like she encounters all of these, um, you know, so she's running through and then there's like, you know, wild tiger and she's got to get out of there. And then there's, you know, angry monkeys and stuff. And then like at the end of the description of like, you know, her travails in parentheses, like the producers of this movie also owned a zoo. <laughs> um, yeah, so so she's in this uh, in this uh, creepy building, creepy door, creepy dog, um, and uh, and then she squats down. There's like all these like little flies. Um, yeah, in the, flies uh, coming out from you, under the door. What do you door. call that? The the under the, the hole at the underside of the door between the door and the floor. Is there a word for that? I call it the hole between the door and the floor. Okay, that's the thing you stuff wet towels into. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then um, and then the the creepy landlord comes by, and she's just like, I'm I'm looking for my sister Marla, and then there's like this beat, and he's just like, you don't know your sister's last name, and I'm just like, that's it, if they had timed that better, it would have been very funny. Yeah, there's a there's a few notes in this film where it really feels like it could have been a good comedy bit. Or or could have worked well in a film that was actually supposed to be a comedy that yeah. didn't quite. And it's just, it's a weird line because like I mean they're just trying to set up that he's sort of catching her out that she's bullshitting. But if you say I'm looking I'm I'm trying to find my sister Marla, and you're standing in front of Marla's door and the guy who's the landlord for Marla's apartment, his response is to immediately think it's notable that you didn't say your own sister's last name. It's like he's calling her on something that's kind of weird to call her on. Maybe they missed a line and he was supposed to say Marla who and she was supposed to freeze and then he says that. See, that would have worked. That part yeah. Of the script. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's like if you went up to a party and said, hey, my name's Josh. And they're like, Josh, what? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't and know. Then, um, and then she wants to get in there and she bribes him with 20 American dollars. Now, I'm really confused because I, when she leaves... Um, when she leaves, what do you call it? England, her boss that, that Charles gives, it, her, yes. <laughs> gives her like you know the Eurail pass and just like a bunch of it was dollars, right? Like the her English boss in England gives her dollars to take to Romania, which she at no point exchanges for. I don't know what money they use in Romania. Let's say crowns. Um, that she at no point exchanges for crowns. Um, and then the the you know creepy landlord just accepts a twenty dollar bill because I guess those are easy to spend in over there. It it was really weird, like that that they wouldn't even bother getting the money of the place that they're shooting the movie in on location. My theory, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make an explanation for this. Uh, they're, they're they're working out of London, her and her boss. Uh, Sorry, it's a loo. It's a Romanian loo. Yes, yes. I was just looking that up too. <laughs> the Romanian and, loo. Which is subdivided into a hundred bonnie. Yeah. Um, yes, her 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 boss uh, used to work at the New York Times. She used to work at the New York Times. She's American. They're in London now. Uh, of course, they're going to use British currency or cards, you know, around town. But maybe he had some cash left, and he was like, "Hey, you know, a dollar's as good as a pound or better, you know, in Romania because neither of them's the right one." So I'll just send you with petty cash from my stack of American currency that I haven't exchanged. Uh, and so that's why she has the money. And the landlord's like, hey, it's money. Fine, whatever. Because, I don't know, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes just as much sense as everything else in this movie. Uh, possibly yeah. more. And she's like, does it always smell like that in there? Once he opens the door and he's like, like what? And this was a moment where it's like, is he, is he like, is he being a prick? Is he desensitized to smell because he's a terrible slumlord? Or is Amy just imagining or experiencing by herself some, te- like, like maybe this was setting some ex- interesting sort of like, she's just experiencing this objectively, but he is actually literally unaware of the smell of a rotting body, you know, in the apartment. But uh, they didn't bear that out at all. So I guess we'll never I, I know. think they were trying to set him up as like some sort of smart ass, but he missed just the timing on every single one. So it just ends up weird and alienating. Yeah. And then they put him in one of the prophecy movies. Um, <laughs> oh, and, you know, I want to say, uh, the, the, so she goes into the apartment, and the apartment's, like, neglected and maggoty because the resident is, you know, dead, as we quickly find mm-hmm. out. But, you know, you, you've got dishes in the sink with maggots crawling around. It's a very, it felt like a very strong throwback to uh, the first act of yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. original film, like, you know, with, with Frank. When Cotton they find having, Frank's stuff. Exactly. So I thought that was a little bit of a callback there that was... Uh, sort of nice. Although that one didn't actually have a body uh, per se at the time, whereas we've got a girl sitting on a toilet with a rope around her neck. Which um, was scary. I, I have to say, like, even though they, they telegraphed it from like a mile away, because, you know, um, you know, she's like, looks down a hallway and then there's like, dun, dun, dun music. And then yeah. there's a reaction shot from her, but we don't know what we're reacting to. And then there's more music. And then you finally see uh, Marla's corpse just kind of sitting on the toilet with a shoelace around her neck, like keeping her body upright. And that was pretty spooky. It was, it, it, I thought it was an effective image because like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit unusual. It's not like, you know, 
uh, you know, dead on the floor. It's not dead in the shower. It's not, you know, just pieces strewn over. It's, it's, a, it's an unusual pose, at least. You don't see a whole lot of horror movies with someone sort of sitting upright sort of because of a strangulating rope on the toilet. Uh, so yeah, the makeup's pretty good, um, and you know, there's a close-up of her, like her hands and feet, which are close to each other, and they're all sort of like white, and you could see the veins and bloodless, and I, I thought that was generally pretty, pretty effective, pretty cool looking. And that leads, of course, to the old trying to sneak by the awful thing trope comes in here. Yeah. Amy sees Amy sees some sort of envelope on the far side of the body, and she goes to reach for it, and so we get a bunch of you know claustrophobic shots of her trying to sneak by, and you know, at one point it looks like she's almost, you know, gonna be stuck kissing the dead corpse. Yeah, like the, the face, like, it, it's, they keep shooting it from different angles, and they keep cutting, so you can't see exactly where her body is in space. I And I'm assuming they're doing that, because it was just, it was a really tight scene, so it's hard to get the camera in a, in, it's hard to, probably hard to get the camera in a, in a place where every shot makes sense, so they have to keep cutting it, and so eventually there's one shot where it's, you know, like an even, where it's like a ground shot instead of like overhead or under uh, or canted, and, and yeah, the, their faces are like right up against each other, and that was pretty spooky. Um, oh yeah, and then she, she, she's just like, you know, she's reaching, reaching for that envelope, almost got it, almost got it, and she gets it, and then she drops it. And um, as it drops, there's, you know, just like, a, I, I don't remember if it goes into slow motion or not, but it definitely does like the dramatic, like music, like the thun, thun. And then you see the fact that hidden from her view, Amanda's uh, corpse is actually clutching the box. The Marchand's box makes its appearance. It's officially yep. at this point, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in. Uh, it's, it's a Hellraiser movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, uh, she so she successfully gets her envelope out, and then she lo- she sees the box at this point, and then after all this super squeamish trying to sing behind, try not to touch, try like when it honestly, if she'd been okay bumping the corpse a little bit, she could have gotten the envelope in like two seconds flat, just reached over, grabbed it, excuse me, uh, and but you know she doesn't want to like touch the dead girl, blah 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 blah, so it gets this protracted scene. Then she sees the box. And then she has no problem just literally prying it out of Marla's cold, dead hand. You and know, there's bone cracking. Yeah, she's like, she's, I'll just break your fingers here and pull this box away from you, which, I mean, I'm willing, I'm willing to make the argument, I've, I've, I've made it before, that there's supposed to be a substrate of, like, attractiveness of the, the one ring of, uh, of fatal, you know, sort of fatalistic attraction to this box that that you could argue is why it's but we don't even get that we don't get like a picture of an unlocking sense of obsession in amy's eyes as she you know sees the box and realizes it's a thing of power she just sort of like oh and i'd better get that too crack 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 go the fingers it it just felt very like you mismatched two very thematically similar things with two very different tones, like right yeah. back to back there, which felt sort of dumb. And then, of course, the the dead girl reach out and grabs her, uh, which is the big you know spook scare, and then she flees. And, and I personally, I the first time that happened, I was surprised because after like the, the the tension of her getting the thing out, which was it was stupid, but it was also tense, and it was tense enough to you know just distract me. I was just like, oh, she's got the box out. I'm like, oh shit, the, that's right, corpse has to come to life. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was and, uh, I I was wildly unsurprised. <laughs> I was, I was like, as soon as I saw the corpse and saw her trying to get, I was like, oh, that thing's gonna. Do There's, um, have you ever seen the Mystery Science Theater 3001 for Space Mutiny? I don't know if I have. Uh, it, it's 
is my single favorite one. But yeah, all the way at the end, like there's a slow panning shot of like the bad guy who's been burned up in the fire, and like throughout this whole panning shot, like they're all saying, and then the eyes open, 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 and then finally the eyes open. So yeah, I, I that's what I was thinking, and then I got distracted, and then it actually spooked me, and I I actually kind of like that. Well, there's nothing wrong with a spook scare. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't mean to shit on it or anything. It's just it, it, it's, not, it's not a surprise in the structural sense. It's yeah. like, okay, well... You, there's also, a- I, ca- I, I cannot for the life of me figure out whether the, the, the body clearly moved several times. I think that was just bad. I can't bad. figure out if that's the actress or if that was like supposed to be really subtle foreshadowing I, to the fact that she's still alive. I, 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 I think it's just hard to stay really, really still. And so she did a pretty good job, but not good enough. I, I was writing it off as, like, I didn't feel like it was an intentional note. I felt like it was just, okay, I know you're supposed to be dead, so you're staying still. You're moving a little bit, but uh, maybe there's some wind. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I really just, like, I wrote it off as like, okay, fine. I couldn't hold still any better, whatever. Right. But yeah, no, I, 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 I it's an interesting take. Uh, I thought about it briefly, but I just, apparently I was not feeling charitable enough to like give it credit for that at the time because I just wrote it right off. It's like, nah, nah. Yes, I think the first time I watched this movie, like, I mean, I watched it just twice um, just in in close proximity because it's the first time I'd seen it. So I watched it once all the way through and then I watched it again to take notes. Um, And the first time I saw it, like, I actually, it it had a lot of good faith for me and that I was willing to cut it a lot of slack and then I got to the end and then I rewatched it and then like all of the, you know, all the zippers in the back of the costume just stood out so bad. Yeah. Because of the amount of uh, of my good faith that they squandered with the entire like, third act, um, yeah, that, that, I had been meaning to ask you that. I wasn't clear on whether you had had watched this one before, whereas I did watch it like a yeah, like a year, year and a half ago or something. Uh, yeah, no, this one I, really I just watched for the first time. Yeah, this this week, and yeah, and I was really <laughs> impressed the first half, the first time I watched it, and <laughs> wow, just I mean, wow, yeah. So she gets the box, she gets the envelope, uh, she's leaving the apartment, and the, the landlord spooks her, and he says something, and I could, <laughs> I, re- I rewound a couple times, and I couldn't figure out what the hell he said. Did you figure that out? Yeah, I was, I, I watch all these with closed captioning. Because oh, right, thought, right, right. Because neighbors, he said, what are you doing in here? Oh, so it wasn't even something, like, I thought maybe he said, like, maybe there was, like, a come to daddy in there or something that no, I missed. No, because he just... He spooks her, and she, she, she knees him right in the Bucharest and takes off, you know? She's like... <laughs> It was, but the, and and also the answer to what are you doing here is in the previous scene with him and her acting together, talking to each other, maybe, saying may, may, maybe maybe his full line was like, "What are you doing still here, or what are you still doing here?" Because because he was very like five minutes. She's like, "I just need five minutes." He's like, five minutes," and then he comes back five minutes later. It does seem like he would have been like, "Hey, it's been five minutes. Get the fuck out of my." building not like uh what are you still doing here you know i've never known a young person be flaky after bribing me (laughs) yeah the whole thing was sort of weird i think they just wanted well and they're setting the landlord up to look like her dad from the flashbacks is this yeah i I thought it was actually the same actor until i looked it up yeah it turns out not but yeah they're very much setting him him up to look up just like her gratuitously abusive father from the flashbacks that we'll get into more and and i guess in that sense it's like gratuitously abusive like we never yeah, yeah, yeah. We never actually. Is, is, is this where we actually get the first flashback? Uh, I think it's, I, I think it's coming up. I don't know. I, I made notes of it when they come along, and I don't have a note here yet, so I don't think it's yet. Um, 
there may be a couple like little really tiny ones that's that I can't recall. We definitely saw her dad at some point prior to this because I made the connection at the time that the landlord was supposed to sort of remind her of that, I think. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Eh, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get to stronger yeah. notes about it. She goes back to her hotel room or whatever it is, and she makes herself a gin and tonic from little travel-sized beef eater bottles. Now, I want to that- say, yeah, it's oh, like beef eater gin. drinking straight gin. Uh, well, okay, maybe there wasn't a tonic, but it, it looked kind of – she didn't have enough gin in that bottle to make as big of a drink as she had. So maybe it was just gin just, over ice I, or yeah. – I don't know. I assume gin and tonic, but uh, that might be assuming a lot. Anyway, my complaint is you're going to be here for a few days. You're already a hard-working, bad girl, investigative journalist. Buy a bottle of gin. Just go buy a fifth somewhere. You know <laughs> those things are not – that's not a cost-effective. You're probably traveling a little bit smart – you know, maybe you had them from the train, but why wouldn't you? Ah, I yeah, I was bothered. I, I feel like I feel like the only time you bring out the the, the little bottles is when you really want to emphasize either travel or alcoholism, and they weren't really yeah. doing either here. It's just that's what she was making in the hotel room. But what do I know? Maybe 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 you end up with tons of sampler bottles when you travel Eastern Europe. I, it's all her backpack was full of, just, just her camera, <laughs> a notepad, the money, and then the rest of it was just topped off with little liquor bottles. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's another weird thing like the American money is her boss pays her in <laughs> things as barter. So he pays her in like, you know, dozens of, of, of tiny airline bottles that he grifted the, off someone else. The somehow. London Underground is actually a liquor store that has a very popular <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> How to be a crack whore is actually just a, yeah, it's a, it's a flavor piece. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and then so she puts on the videotape, and then you know it's it's Marla telling her about how she's the chosen one, and you know you found us, and the whole time she's you know finagling with the box as well, and Marla says you know don't open the box, and then just like I, it's it's not immediate, but you know like a minute and a half later she opens the box. Yeah, it feels a bit like was, don't open the box, and and so she's like open the box, huh? Or like how you, know, you do that? Don't, don't tell me what I can't do. I'm a hard <laughs> drinking bad girl journalist. Um, don't you tell me what to not do? Yeah. Uh, and here we we don't know anything about the cult leader at this point in the film, and so like to some extent, don't open the box suggests oh well maybe somehow the cult leader kind of is mm-hmm. pinhead in disguise, which I mean he sure seems to like disguises lately, so yeah. I could have bought that, but yeah, just a little thing I was wondering about at that point in the film, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it turns out that's not what's going on. Uh, but I, I noticed the music box aspect is hugely back here yeah, when she goes yeah, to open yeah. it. Like, once again, we've got it's totally a music box, you know, like, dink, 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 dink. Uh, and she gets it open a record. She, like, just picks it up, and she's, like, she's like a Rubik's Cube that needed one twist sort of situation. It's like, oh, I better turn. Oh, there we go. I'm done. You know, she's just bam, like nothing. Yeah, the, a lot of this movie felt like I was just watching cutscenes from, you know, a playstation like survival horror game and that definitely <laughs> felt like uh just you know use music box yep and then you know like the character automatically solves it instead of like having to make you solve a puzzle to solve it first yep that, that that's what that sort of felt like um press a and then, to solve yeah so so it you know it, it does its thing you know and then she picks it back up and chains burst out of it and they're very obviously cgi change and they hook into her face but then for the rest of that 
scene where you know she's just like struggling with the box and the chains in her face. They're actually real chains coming out of the real box, and I kind of appreciated that that they decided to only use the CGI for like the action part, and even then only use it for the action part that they could no way do with practical effects. And the rest of it they did practical effects, and that comes up a number of times. And I'm actually I, I like that they did that that they only use CGI when there was no way they could have done it practically with their budget. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought the CGI chains coming out looked a, a little bit shitty. I mean, to some extent, the yeah. fact that I was yeah. like, oh, that's a CGI effect is yeah. the main criticism. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in that respect, I kind of wish they just found like a, maybe a slightly less ambitious way to shoot that. Yeah. Um, or, 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 or just to, sh- you know, shoot it with edits instead to get away from it. Because, yeah, the chains looked fine after that. So, but uh, whatever. Yeah, you, you do what you got to do if they really wanted to have that shot. I guess that was the only way to get it. Yeah, uh, that was one of my, like, we, when, when I mentioned that they understood that, like, the people making this movie had a good idea of the constraints that they were under with regard to the technology they had access to and, like, the quality of technology that they had access to, they did not go overboard with stupid CGI. It's true. They, they, they did not, there was not, there, there were not as many obvious, uh, you know, reach exceeding grasp moments in the effects in this film as in some of the previous stuff. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of lightning right at the end of the film, uh, yeah. you know, and it looks so much less shitty than it did in like the original couple films. Like we're we've we've gotten far enough in the future here that they've replaced the the hand animated drawing of lightning frame to frame with an actual you know decently composited CGI uh, lightning effect. So in that sense, you know, it's that it plays into the same thing you're saying. It's like yeah, they they used what they had in a pretty reasonable way there, so yeah. uh, they get credit for that. Oh, but so, yeah, so, so the CGI chains come out, and then the real chains are attached to her. There's four chains pulling her towards the box, and she's screaming, and there's blood, and it's just about how you would expect that to look in a Hellraiser film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Pinhead shows up, but only in the very loose sense of the film then cutting to footage of Pinhead, because <laughs> it's clearly Pinhead shot in a very differently lit, you know, dark, gloomy, blue, tinted room like you would expect Pinhead to be And we Pinhead go to, to that in. room later as well. That's yeah. the funny part. So this is like coverage from that that set or something yeah. and so we get pinhead doing a little bit of brooding and then delivering uh, a line where it says don't think for a moment you're not in danger and uh, this is this is the setup for what is i think like now that we've actually been talking about it i think this is the setup for what was supposed to be a twist but they did such a poor job of setting it up and of revealing the twist that that both times I saw it, it did not occur to me until just now that that might have had to that might have been um, a, a moment that was supposed to be you know like the, a, a twist ending or a, or a big reveal or something. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, I, I think if you were watching this film cold and you saw that bit, you might think that mm-hmm. Pinhead was being actively menacing, uh, just because like you know creepy guy, your yeah. your your face is full of chains and some guy is like mm-hmm. you know with pins in his face is giving you a. Uh, yeah. a, a growly line but but it to me it sounded very much like helpful pinhead like you know this was clearly sagacious pinhead offering some sort of like you know advice on how to you know succeed in this troubling situation you found yourself in which is not my favorite pinhead i like not not a real big fan of pinhead just trying to help a brother out or or uh you know give give the little back rub and advice sort of thing there was um have you ever did you ever read the uh Dungeons and Dragons comic, the one that came out recently that was written by the person who did the uh the Blue Beetle comic? I did not, no. 
it, it's really good. It's really funny. It's really well done. But there's one scene where they're like in a dungeon and they're like, there's this constant voice that they hear that's just screaming. It's like, interlopers, you will die. Get out, get out, you will die. And then they eventually find who's doing that. And it's this floating skull. He's just like, what are you, you, know, what are you doing here? It's dangerous here. Get out, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of like what it was like. You know, Pinhead just saying, do not think for a moment. You're not in danger. So just, just go back home and we'll forget about it. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Oh, but here, okay, th- this I think is where... Okay, so maybe okay, maybe we hadn't had really a proper flashback before because got a note here uh, that 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 then we get a a quick shot to that black yeah. and white checkered board floor again. And it's and it's not just a black and white checkered board floor; it's a black and white checkered floor, obviously shot in black and white. Yeah, uh, and then a black with and like white a weird um, halo effect on the uh, yeah. There's a weird sort of bloom yeah bloom, uh, that's it. effect on the whole thing, and then and then we get a shot of a cigar chomping, mean looking guy who uh, is presumably abusive dad. Uh, but he looks a bit like the landlord. So that may be the first like real image we got of him. But then it was all just a dream, and the box isn't open, and she's fine. Uh, and clearly I am happy about it, because I love it when it was all just a dream. Yeah. Um, and then uh, oh, and then, then she, uh, she goes to follow the clue that, um, that Marla gives her. She tells her to go see Joey, who is... You know, go to this station, get in this in the last car in this train, and you'll find Joey there, which is again like following the 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 Hellraiser um, series. Uh, what, what do you call it? pattern of really bad directions? <laughs> First of all, if he's in the back of a train, why do you need to go to a certain station? Second of all, if he's in the back of a certain train, shouldn't you just give her the time the train will be there? It it made it was it was yeah. it's a pretty awesome concept that he's got like you know that there's like this important like underworld guy and he's got his own like entire own train car in the public train system. It's a cool concept. It's executed pretty well, but the way they just get in there makes not a lick of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, it's just like Romanian subway sex and drugs club. You know, it's like, it's uh, like the, the, the train only has one. I mean, the line only has one train on it. I guess how it, it's yeah yeah. But um, well, it, it, you know, it feels to me. It feels to me like, almost like it's like a William Gibson sort of concept. Yeah, you know, that found its way. But but of course, uh, Clive Barker also has. Uh, what's the name of the story? They, I, I heard they were making it into a film, or maybe they did make it into a film recently. Uh, but it's something about a, a, a train, like it's a, a it's a subway train or a commuter train, and a guy ends up on it, and he realizes it's sort of like a train to a terrible hell place, and. I think he's being... Clive Barker or Stephen King. Clive, Clive Barker. Clive Barker. Oh, um, I know Stephen King had something like that. Not Clive, I don't know about Clive Barker. Yeah, no, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll see if I can find it here real quick. But, but again, Clive Barker train. It felt like a little bit of a. Yeah. I don't know if it was an intentional note right. or if it was just something that happened. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, tell him about this car because I'm going to look. Yeah, at this but thing. yeah. The, and yeah, so it's a pretty cool, like urban fantasy sort of concept. And so you know, the 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 uh, the 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 windows are all boarded over, um, and so she, you know, like the doors open up, and there's a guy who's basically like, you know, uh, a, a bouncer, and she's just like, I'm here to see Joey. Marla sent me, and he's like, All right, come on, and she goes in, and it's just like it's the lights are flickering, and it looks like a cross between like a goth club, a art student, like Halloween. 
and um, a bordello. Somebody's getting tattooed. Like, you know, there's a bunch of punks and goths and stuff just hanging out. Yeah, this thing's there's got everything. In, like, yeah, there's people in, like, these weird, like, you know, sort of even, like, Matthew Barney-esque, like, you know, elaborate costumes. Um, there's, you know, there's just, like... Naked you people know, hiding cross- their faces yeah. behind cow skulls. and Yeah, there's like a little kid with like just grasping a rose between his teeth for some reason. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's actually really, it's, it was a really well done scene. And then just like all the way in the back of the train, it looks like that's like the, that that's where Joey is. And, you know, there's a bunch of writhing naked women. It's shot in like, like the rest of the train is kind of like a dark green flickering light thing. But the back is all, um, was it, was it pink? It was like it was kind of like it just like the, the the very back of the train where Joey is just that felt like the board like the most bordelloy part. It was like the pink kind of red, um, yeah, sort, sort of thing. And then there's Joey, who I it's I mean he is the if you're gonna watch this movie, he's the reason to watch this movie. He <laughs> he's my favorite. I, I I think of all of the people in this movie, he did his job the best. Um, so he's basically a. Uh, I'm gonna say this movie. This movie from the mid 2000s, but he's like a 90s British club kid. He looks kind of like Matthew Lillard in Hackers. Yeah, yeah, like that crossed with just like some like maybe Ewan McGregor from Train Spotting. Sure, yeah, because he was also sort of like junkied out and uh, a little more glam than Matthew Lillard, who was kind of not as just straight up glam, and he's just like very. Affected and um, he's he's hilarious and I and I really enjoyed him. I, you know, I, I, he would have been a great character in a different movie that it yeah, made more sense for him yeah. to be in. In this one, yeah. he was fine, and I, I kind of liked. It. He was a nice break, but it's kind of bad ones. Like, oh yeah, he was a nice break from how not very good this film is in a discontinuity sort of way. It's like yeah, yeah. but yes, I agree. He was amusing, but and he's got like all these funny little affectations. Like you know, she tells he's like who are you? she's like Amy Klein, and then he silently mouths her name back to himself which was pretty funny um and then you know they, they get into a conversation about the debtors oh and she uh, says and to how, him are oh, you yeah. joey and he says i've been called worse <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was just like a, a, a great pointlessly yeah it's like okay Sing. have you been called better i mean <laughs> is it joseph i i'm sorry i don't know what you're trying to get across he could have um, asked her if she you know Pointed out that what what you don't even know my last name, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, so she she she's just like you know she's like tell me what you know about the debtors, and he's like you tell me what you know about the debtors. She's like I think they bring the dead back to life, and the way she says it is like with utter seriousness. But had she said it in like an incredibly sarcastic tone, it would have been very funny. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, and then he's just like, yeah, so, you know, you know, they're led by a guy named Winter. Some say he's a demon. Some say he's, you know, like a fucked up guru. Some say he doesn't exist. And I'm like, okay, that's who, who's saying that? Um, and then, the, you know, he says that they all live together in a house. And then she's like, tell me where he is. And he's just like, Amy Klein, you've got to avoid the debtors. She's like, if you don't tell me, somebody will. And apparently that's the twist of the arm that he needs to tell her where to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. If someone like, else tells else you, then I won't, get, I won't get my commission. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... Exactly. 
Yeah, he, um, seems, he seems to know a lot about this whole culty situation yeah. while still being like surprisingly detached and just sort of like vaguely grumpy rather than scared or angry or or skeptical or yeah. whatever. He's just sort of like, oh yeah, I sort of know about that, but whatever, you know, I'm partying on the subway, I don't know. He's got this fucked up self-destructive thing going on <laughs> as he yells at her. An important line, because then she repeats back to him, <laughs> then she repeats it later, and then he brings back, and he flubs it. Like the last time he saw the film, he actually says, you've got this fucked up destructive thing going on and he forgets the self part. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> um, and then, oh, yeah. And then she pulls out the box and he removes the sunglasses to take a look at it. And I mean, he you'd think he'd be adjusted to wearing sunglasses <laughs> in a darkly lit subway car that you wouldn't have to take him off to look at a box that he knows what it is already. And then he's just like, oh, that makes me very unhappy and backs away from it, which was pretty cool because I, I like the idea that somebody in this universe has like an inkling of an idea of what the fuck's going on but isn't directly involved. Yeah. So I, I sort of like the idea that, you know, like he's he's in the underworld and like he's clearly important in the underworld and he's, you know, like we've got one character who's got their shit together in this movie, basically. Yep. Um, yeah. And then... uh. And there's, there's, you know, you mentioned we mentioned the nudity, but there's seriously they keep cutting back to these two ladies, oh, yeah. wearing beaded necklaces and no tops, and and one of them's just like all over the other one's tits, uh, and it's like I feel like they took all of the the softcore stuff that got cut out of the previous two films when they turned them into Hellraiser movies and just stuck them all in the subway cars. Like, okay, we definitely finally we can have just completely gratuitous, uh, sexy times seen in here and. They just and you like, know what? At, at, at least this was probably the single most appropriate place in the movie for gratuitous nudity. Sure, yeah. And, and at least it wasn't the David Boreans look like having grumpy <laughs> sex with a, a prostitute. So, I mean, they seemed like they were having a nice time. Uh, that's, yeah. at least, that's at least a positive uh, change. Yeah, I'm glad nobody had sex in this movie. Yeah. I'm just so glad. And I mean, I, yeah, that's, there was... Um, yeah, there, there was nobody in this movie I wanted to see have sex with anybody. <laughs> and I got my wish. You lucky um, dog. Yeah. Oh, we should say something. We, we, we skipped over this, but before she got on the train, she's in the subway station. And the subway station, by the way, is lit exactly like the buses in Hellraiser 3 and 6 were lit. That same shitty, like, bluish-greenish filter. Uh, I was, that's the thing. I don't think it was a filter. Give me one sec, because I was reading um, interviews with the DP. The underground station was real using the local neon lighting without filtering it. Oh, okay. It, the result just, was greenish, blue hue, cold, and strange. That, that's actually what a Romanian subway station looks like when you film there. it. Okay. Yeah. To some extent, uh, yeah. I mean, to some extent, like, it ends up that way because it was like that, and also you didn't decide to do any color correction on it. But uh, I, I won't be pedantic because it's obviously it's the difference between actively filtering and just declining to uh, unfilter. In any case, the point is the, 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 the look is the same. You've got the exact same, this is what it's like to take public transit in the Hellraiser universe. <laughs> it's always sort of green, like a yep. Romanian subway station, as it turns out. And, 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 and she sees a woman in a rain smock. Yeah, it's like a big yellow poncho that takes up – I mean, you can't even see the person because the person is all poncho with like a little pair of feet sticking out and a like one face. creepy eye. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was and, pretty creepy too. And, that, well, like, and, that was successfully creepy, I think. It, it was creepy, but I was also it was also disorientingly like creepy in a way that – like so the, the thing is there's this woman sitting there and, and, and Amy's walking by and she sees this woman sitting there and she's creepy and, and also there's a big pool of blood at her feet. And yeah. Amy regards this whole thing with sort of edgy suspicion 
rather than being like, you know, Jesus Christ, that woman is bleeding. Somebody call Romanian 911 or whatever. You know, she's just like, ah, I don't know. I might have to keep walking and then glance back again at the woman with the giant pool of blood. Because like, Maybe that might just be like her like hardcore like slum journalist thing where she's just like I'm taking this one fucked up thing at a time and I'm not going to get distracted. Yeah, but I don't I, I don't know. I don't I, I I it bothered me. It felt it just didn't read right. It was like no, you would have something of a reaction. Like she doesn't have to freak out, but but she needs to notice it. She needs to be more attentive to the fact that a woman is sitting around with a giant pool of blood dripping yeah. underneath her because that's that's notable you take yeah. notice of that sort of thing she's already looking into a weird situation that's a weird situation you follow up but it's okay because when she does finally glance back the lady's not really there anyway so but the pool of blood's still there yeah yeah also i just want to say if anybody is watching debtor and they're just like you know what i really want to see a, a, a good movie that takes place in like the genuinely creepy uh subway stations of, of eastern europe or Central Europe, eh, whatever. Um, there's a movie called Control, K-O-N-T-R-O-L-L, Control by uh, Nimrod Antel, who you might know for directing Predators. Um, but this, this was shot, it's, it's a Hungarian movie, um, just shot, and it's sort of like a magic realist movie, shot entirely in the, uh, the Hungarian subway system, and it's, it's really good. And it's just watching those scenes just made me think, oh man, I want to go watch Control now. So uh, yeah, check that movie out, because it's a really good movie. It's a 2003, um, I definitely saw it at the video store in, in New York, um, Back when we, back when there were video stores, so um, I don't think it'd be that hard to find. Um, but yeah, interesting. And the uh, the Hungarian Blu-ray is floating around the the less reputable sections of the internet as well. Um, oh, we should also clarify here that Joey, this character we keep talking about, mm-hmm. is not the same Joey played by uh, Jadzia Dax in, in Hellraiser Three. Yeah. It's just it's a coincidence. Yeah, it's although just this is not Joey with an I, so there, I don't know how you disambiguate exactly. Um. Oh, this is Harry. British Joey. Oh, British oh, Joey in Romania. Yes. Joey Watt. Because <laughs> that's what they say in, in, in the British places. They say Watt at the end of sentences. <laughs> <sighs> so uh, the train, she gets off the train. Uh, oh, and so she... No. Uh, wait, is this where she, she spots Winter on the train station? Yeah, the cult leader dude. Uh, she sees him... Barefoot? Was he barefoot? Okay. He was barefoot. I was just, I was so drawn in by his, uh, you know, smoky eyes, I guess. I didn't see his feet. Uh, he appears and she has, and then, she, so she sees him like on the train platform after she's gotten off the train. And then she has more flatback, flashbacks to the whole mean dad thing. And then mm-hmm. we cut back to her seeing the cult leader, Winter, and he jumps in front of a train at the last second, you know, just killing himself, presumably. Uh, and and then and, apparently he's not there, and the subway people like we cut like immediately to her standing around, and some people are standing in front of a stopped train down in the tracks, and sort of shouting up there, "Where is he?" You know, but which you know, makes no sense because none. here's the thing: she's really far away. She's she's like in the middle of the train track when she sees him just chuck himself in front of the train. Assuming he's not there, the train would have just gone on normally and just like stopped where it's supposed to stop it because he threw himself into the train like maybe about a quarter or a fifth of the way right before the end of where the train was supposed to stop so it still had you know a couple of feet to go 
Um, but then when they're like, you know, where they're yelling at her, like, where is he? The train is where it would have stopped, that it would have hit him, but the train would have had no reason to stop there, and she would have had no ability to stop the train there. Exactly. Like, there's no way short of someone in the train being like, oh, shit, I think I just hit a guy, for that train to stop yeah. promptly. Like, maybe she reported it and then they went to the next station or or they i don't it doesn't hold the train yeah. back because you know for that they, matter the train was going of... i feel like that train was going too fast for it to be a train making a stop at that station even like for it to be going as fast as it was to hit him where it hit him like yeah. it, it was pushing through it was an express that didn't stop there or something so it wouldn't even have been at the same fucking station probably yeah. but that's maybe re- reading too much into it so yeah i agree it was like it was it was very really like oh this whole thing is dumb why yeah yeah, and like you know the the, the idea of that you know she's she hallucinates somebody throwing themselves in front of a train, that part I, I can grasp. It's just the way that it it reverberated into the the the, the quote unquote real world that made not a lick of sense and wasn't in any way like reference to. It's just like a totally normal thing that somebody just stopped the train by themselves with no apparent way to do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, really problematic. Oh, so so the thing I was thinking of is the. The the short story by Clive Barker from uh, Books of Blood, uh, The Midnight Meat Train, uh, which is also oh. the name of the film. It was 2008 that this uh, was made. I, that's, I saw on eBay somebody was selling a poster for Hellraiser Debtor and Midnight Meat Train in the same lot. And it's got uh, Brooke Shields in it, apparently. Uh, huh. But maybe more importantly, Ted Raimi, a uh, huh. long-time uh, fun guy to see and stuff made by Sam's brother. Sam, mostly, yeah. Uh, you may remember him uh, from uh, he was on uh, Hercules, was it or Xena? He was the the, the uh, skinny, tall, goofy guy. Uh, I mean, I, the, yeah, he was on Joxer. He was Joxer. Joxer, on Xena. yeah, yeah. And he's been in a ton of other stuff. He was in the recent uh, Spider-Man movies, or not the most recent. I think I think he had a recurring bit part as a Daily Bugle staffer in uh, the. The, the the Sam Raimi ones. Go figure. He was on Sequest DSV. Oh Jesus Christ. Remember Sequest DSV? Oh, fucking uh, Star Trek Under the Ocean. Yeah, worse. <laughs> with Roy Scheider and <laughs> what's his face? That fucking kid. Oh, and the dolphin, the the smart the dolphin. dolphin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us speak no more of it. <laughs> oh, so she, so she, so she freaks out. Uh, I guess. Uh, they're like, oh, come on. And she's like, no, he was, he was there. And she freaks out. And apparently she gets thrown in a, a, a mental ward. Well, first she, she freaks out because she sees him. Uh, she, oh, sees no, no, she just gets get arrested, off, I guess, is what happens. On, on, the, on the train station. And so she's like, you know, the guy that got run over, there he is. And she starts running after him and screaming. And he clearly stands onto the train and the doors close long before she starts running. But there's like four cops. And it takes, A, it takes all four cops to subdue her. But why were they even bothering? What is she gonna do? I think yeah, it's like it's like they seem annoyed at her, but I think they'd probably be okay with her just fucking leaving at that point. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, that, that whole thing, whole thing was a mess. Uh, but I guess the idea is she gets arrested is what happens here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then then her boss comes and bails her out, and she's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "Oh, well, you know." Um, so he comes to Romania, and, and then they have they uh yeah so that he gets her out, of, and then they have the most like tortured like the most tortured thing in this hellraiser movie is the metaphor that they use during the conversation after the police station about food where they compare like regular people to just being regular people who eat regular food just until they're full but journalists are like gluttons and then he keeps going on with the metaphor about like you know how he uses her so that he can get all of the 
good from the food without having to suffer the digestional distress and that nobody's shoving anything down her throat. Yes, nobody's forcing anything <sighs> down your throat. And the whole, you know, the whole the whole metaphor is sort of terrible, but that that line like really yeah. it was a twist of the knife for me because it reminded me that one thing we've really lost in some of the the most recent horror films in this franchise uh, is the importance of people forcing things down yeah. people's throats or at least, you know, into their mouths. There's been yeah. very little finger and mouth action lately. And that's, that's actually kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like that was, yeah, you're right. That was a theme I was enjoying. And it's just, it's gone by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but yeah. And then, then she refers to him as uh, vaguely demonic, yeah. <laughs> which again, no payoff. None, None whatsoever. whatsoever. And then he, he insinuates that she's a vampire. And I think this is, again, the scene in the Hellraiser sequel where if this ended up like the next scene was a revelatory moment where he's just like, well, you should just go sleep in your coffin, wait till the daylight wait, wait till the daylight hours end, and then go stalk the streets. And I'm just like, it would be really cool if like that literally happened in the next <laughs> scene and it turns out she's a vampire. <laughs> And then the movie would have been so much better. I feel like they, they, they could have rewritten it to make that happen. Like, her showing yeah. up late to work would work great if she showed up, like, late to work. You know, like, yeah. she, she shows up and, you know, they'd have to, I guess, set it in winter to make this like, plausible. Like a Bruce Willis and Sixth Sense thing where you never, you don't put the pieces together until, you know, the big reveal. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Exactly. And then um, after he leaves, she goes to hail a cab, but she throws her cigarette out first. Did you notice that? I she chucks not. her cigarette and hails a cab, and a cab immediately comes because it's a movie. But wouldn't you just want to – and it's a freshly lit cigarette. It's like wouldn't you want to hang on to that until the cab is like right there next to you and then take one more puff and then go because that's how a smoker acts. <laughs> you know, I, but that's how a smoker acts, not how an actor smokes. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a darn fair point. I didn't notice so much because, like, you know, I, I I smoke very rarely. I like end up having like a cigarette every few months if I'm at a party where people smoke. And back when I was in in bands, I would like have more like uh, a cigarette like every other practice or something like that it was like my high point. So I never really developed any particular. And I was always bumming off people, like you know. So I <laughs> I, I have no like real good like you know basic built in uh, habits regarding you know managing my smokes. Right. Um, so yeah, you that's you, you don't throw out a freshly lit cigarette unless you're like you've already got like one foot in that cab. Yeah, uh, I think she yeah. maybe she just enjoyed it as like a conspicuous consumption thing. She likes getting rid yeah. of cigarettes. She likes to be like fuck you, world. I don't. They're smoke so cheap in Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she ends up uh, going. Uh, I think oh, she, I think she's following like the next lead to. Yeah, uh, he gives her like a somebody gives her an intersection. To oh, go Joey, to. Joey told Joey her. Joey gives where to her go. an intersection right. and like yeah, it's like go to the go to these streets and then go down into this thing and yeah, and, it was just um, yeah. And, uh, so she gets there and a bird flies out of nowhere and freaks her out, which is like again like the shopkeeper in the previous film and the yeah. giant flurry of crows that flew at Duffy. Yeah. Uh, and this is just one bird, but still, we've got like this whole bird thing happening. So that's a little bit of a, a, a thematic note for whatever reason. And I wanted to say, you know, uh, the sound of wings flapping, mm-hmm. uh, 
the hobo dragon in the first film when he I disappears from the that. shop. Chris, that yeah. wings flapping, angels or devils, the sort of conflation of angel with demon that sort of comes back to the duality, the metaphysical idea I was talking about earlier in the series when I was still hoping to make something interesting <laughs> of the Smithos. Uh, like the idea that good and evil are just reflections of a, a personal perspective or whatever, and maybe the difference between an angel and a demon is just what you see when you look, and it's just the same winged thing, and so maybe birds is some sort of general representation of the, uh, the, 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 the metaphysical and the afterlife and so on. I don't really have a concrete thesis here. Just <laughs> birds is what I'm saying. Neither did the filmmakers. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then so she and there's like this shadowy figure where she, you know, standing behind a gate and she approaches the gate and it's locked. And then oh, so um, when she opened the uh, the package that she got from uh, near Marla's corpse, there was a videotape and a key with like a little red dot painted onto it, kind of like. Um, and so she gets to the uh, to the to this section now, and then she like looks at the lock, and then it's also got like a red slash on it, and then it's like that's the uh, you know use use red key on red lock moment um, that actually gets her in. But it's funny because like you know she sees that it's locked, and you know she's a journalist, and you know she's clearly going places she's not supposed to be. But to get it open first, she just tried to you know she shakes the whole lock chain metal door thing, clangs it around, makes as much noise as she can. Um, which I thought was, you know, some, some crackerjack journalism. Subtlety. Well, yeah. you, you know, no, nothing, nothing gets a chain off of a gate like shaking the chain a little yeah. bit. So maybe it's unlocked know. in a way I don't see. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like if a hose is kinked up, you don't stop and unkink it. You just sort of yank on it for a while and see if it just, <laughs> you know. Yep. That's how I tie my shoes. I just shake my foot around until it ends up tied. Oh, here's another thing. There was an I, I can't tell, but it looked like there was an illustration of a giant sheep on the wall, but that could have just been Periodalia. And I didn't bother rewinding to I find out. I did not notice it. it. I'm gonna remind me to screenshot that. Hang yeah. on. Uh, you know, something yes, I but, wanted to go back and check and I forgot to because I was just so done by the time I got done <laughs> the movie <laughs> was she takes a cab a couple times in the film and I kinda wanna know if it was the same cab. Um, like I don't think it was supposed to be the same cab, but I wonder if they just had because I was going to check the plates and the numbers on it and see if they bothered to change. Yeah, I, 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 it was the same cab company. It was Otto Kobalchescu. Um and yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I bet they just got that that one guy and just like, look, we need you for like three scenes, and they just shot them all back to back. That 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 would have been the most cost effective way to do it, I think. Yep. Yeah, there's no reason not to, because, like, honestly, who the fuck is like, you know, this film was pretty good, but you used the same taxi in two different scenes without making it clear if that was intentional or not. I yeah. was suspending my disbelief right up until I saw that taxi. Yeah. I mean, I, I should say, as, as, as someone who was actually calling out the possibility this happened, but was too lazy to even go look, and I'm someone who's paying more <laughs> attention to this film than I think most people who've seen the film bothered to, yeah, it's probably not a real big deal, huh? Yep. Of all the things to complain about, that's, that's getting pretty... Uh, pretty yeah. petty even if it isn't just speculative on my dark because i'm gonna go back now and i'm gonna look and it's gonna turn out they did change the place of the numbers i'm gonna feel like just a tremendous asshole i'm just assuming you guys uh were lazy <laughs> about this thing that would be totally okay to be lazy about um yeah so she goes she goes in she, she a finds a series of increasingly narrower hallways yeah there's a tunnel well she steps into some mud and that's a pointed shot because they call back to it later she steps into oh, yeah. mud up to her ankle with her you know boots and there's a dog chewing on something that's probably sort of flesh. And there's mm-hmm. lights that aren't very good. And she's scooching through, yeah, these increasingly narrow spaces. Uh, 
because she's an idiot as far as yeah. I can tell. I mean, you, once the walls are a, a foot apart and getting narrower, you say, you know, maybe this isn't the right direction. Maybe I'm supposed maybe to go somewhere else. people aren't supposed to go through here. Yeah, maybe this is uh, unrelated. At least one of the people in that video was fat, so I, this, this can't possibly be the right way to get to where they were. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so she keeps going through there, and she's using her lighter to light the way, which... Just another thing that if you were a smoker, like I really don't think this actress was a smoker. The director was somebody wasn't because you can't. You do, like, it was just like a regular big lighter. It's really difficult to keep one of those things on because when you you flick it on and you could hold the little plastic part that keeps giving it gas down. But as long as you're doing that, the entire metal part where the wheel um, and the thumb guard for the wheel and the actual thing is, that starts heating up and getting really hot. And unless you manage to keep your finger in the exact right place, you're going to burn the shit out of your thumb. Yeah, it's like a scene where what they really wanted was like a flip-top Zippo. Like that yeah, would have been like fine. Yeah, or like a candle or a torch or something. It was supposed to be that, but they used like the least likely thing that you would use for it. Um... So and, yeah, and then that. the lighter goes out, and then she relights it, and all of a sudden, oh my god, there's bugs all over the walls that she's pressed <laughs> up against, and it's like, oh no, that's and they were very CGI bugs because it was a wall full of bugs, and you know it's got to be hard to you manage. You know what? That that spooked me the first time I saw it because you know it it did, and then the second time when I was watching it last night and taking notes, I this is around the point when I had started falling asleep while watching the movie. <laughs> Um, and that woke me up and scared the crap out of me just because of the noises and the screaming. See, it, and it was it, just like, ah, what? Well, okay. So, 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 sudden noise raising out of sleep, I can totally get I, I, it. It scared me the first time when it was called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> you know, this time I was just like, okay, something's going to – I'm such a fucking cynic basically is what it comes down to. I've just lost my patience with the uh, – with this franchise at this point because <laughs> I'm just like I resent everything that's like I can even <laughs> remotely see covers like obviously something bad is going to happen if she's losing light she'll turn it back on she'll see something what would you see it would be bugs uh, and so I was like oh yeah there we go but then a guy comes up behind her or, or somebody a person comes up behind her I should say in, in a hoodie uh, when you correct yourself from guy to person when you've seen the movie is that just like declaring I meant to say lady I mean there's not you can't really get a whole lot more unambiguous than finding a problem with gendering a character who you know but anyway a figure in a hood scream right right that's who that was right right that's who it was it was former president ronald reagan uh (laughs) comes up behind her with a knife and stabs her well i sort of stabbed through the air at her a few times with this big old kitchen butcher knife it was just Uh, like definitely like a psycho like shower uh sort of thing where it's just like knife going up and down yeah um to the extent that it might have been an illusion. Yeah. If I was, yeah. And then she, <laughs> she screams and then, and then, oh, I guess it was all just a dream because she's perfectly fine and she's in some room in cavern. some, yeah, some cavernous yeah. room and the shirt, the, the same shirtless dude who was the figure at the gate that she found locked uh, is there and he's like, shh, follow me. And, and, and so she yeah. follows him. Um, yeah, the, uh, I, I'm she. It's and it's and it's. You know what? He's um, he's black. Is and 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 they're in Romania. And it was just one of those things where it's just like it's so obviously like what what I don't understand what they were trying to do. like. Were they trying to give the the, the cast more um, what do you call it? Just just more diversity or something? Because like if you've got just like just this black guy hanging out in Romania, that's it, it, I, uh, there's not a lot of black people in Romania. It's it's Romania. 
I it, it was just I, I wish something would have would have just uh, explained that a little. But I mean, whatever. The well, you could just read it as like you know the debtors are a motley crew, and if you're going to say to some extent that like yeah. you know it's a, you might be a little bit of an outsider in that context. Well, hey, yeah, you know, get together. Everybody with- else was white though. That's the thing. Yeah, everybody it, it, else was like white European. It's not like everybody else in this movie was white and European. And then yeah, it was it was just kind of I don't know. It's just one of those things where where I I can't figure out who's racist and it might be me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it comes off as slightly conspicuous without any explanation at all. Like like you say, it's like it's a very white cast. And then let's have this one uh, built-looking black dude with no shirt on. But but, but there are many things in this film that uh, they had and then didn't do anything with. So I I guess it's just probably of a piece at that point. A number of the people in this film, I think many of them debtors, had basically no lines and have never been and were never before in anything else. So it might have just been whoever was around the the lot that day. Yeah, it might have been just like on uh, when they were shooting kids and they were just like, you there, person who we'll know as Rosario Dawson eventually. You want to be in a movie? Yeah, all right, come on. All right. Uh, so So now we're in... Debtor HQ, where 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 yeah. they are. Amy comes in and yeah, we're 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 where they were in the video that she was shown. It's yeah. it's the same place. It's the I, I in my notes I called it the killing floor because people die on a floor. It's really a bed. I really is it? it, it it's like a bed with no well, mattress or something. Yeah, it's like, I it's say it's like a bed maybe frame. just a box spring. Yeah, it was just it was like a bed frame with a sheet on it or something. Whatever it is, it didn't look comfortable. Yeah, certainly not. Yeah. Um. And then, oh, okay, oh, yeah, so the way that Winter brings people back from the dead is that he makes out with them. Or he gives them CPR. It's like a cross between making out with them and giving CPR because what happens is you can't really, what happens is, you know, he locks lips with them in sort of like the CPR kind of way, like wide open mouth. And then the captions say that he inhales. Yeah, it's like it, it's not it's not apparent that he inhales, but that's what's what the caption says. And then he just sort of like lets go of them, and then he exhales like into the air, like I guess he's sucking the death out of them or something, or something. like that. I see. I feel like he was sort of yeah. like yeah, like maybe he was breathing back and forth, but not breathing yeah. so much as like you know soul moving or or whatever it, it was, was. It was very sort of like a soul sucking sort of. It was soul PR. Yeah. Oh. oh. Nice. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So in the whatever the reason I'm mentioning this is that in the video that he's you know doing this with a young lady and then there's it's always you know Manda the other debtor that we talk about is a young lady and then um, so is Amy Klein but in this one he's he's just making out with a skinny guy with a big goatee and I just thought it was really funny just because of that giant goatee on the guy. That guy was going to come back from this and just like record the best EP you've ever seen <laughs> with his with his sludge rock band. Uh, it was just yeah. I just like I, I noticed him as like enormous '90s goatee guy in the movie, and then like when they present the shot of like Winter, it's like oh man, I was hoping they would bring that guy back, and this is the best way they could have done it. And, um, and there's something there, there's something uh, I think probably pointedly sort of uh, sexualized in the 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 post soul thing. Like yeah. Winter, the cult leader, is very sort of like you know. He, he looks like he's you know breathing breathing off the afterglow after having just come or something. Like it's very yeah. <gasps> sort of thing that uh, seems like it was probably uh, very much intended to be read partly that way uh, yeah. in, in a film where again aside from some some boob licking, there's no actual like sex scene. So maybe that was uh, their their dose of of sexiness. Uh, and she so th- this scene she walks in and she walks in on basically they. 
they they, they uh, bring the guy back to life. You know, they pull the the knife out of the chest. You know, breathe him, and, and which and, means she's got excellent timing because this can't uh, unless this is happening like. You know, unless there's like nine shows a day of this, she had very good timing to stumble on there. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it's possible that they orchestrated it, you know, however she ended up in that room and the guy came and got her when it was time to do this. And so like, oh, hey, we've got a visitor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's kill someone and bring him back to life. How about you, Bob? <laughs> yeah, let's, I feel, yeah, I feel good. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't timing. It was them saying, okay, well, we're on a schedule now. But she, she comes come, in. This mm. the scene. I, I, I this is a complaint I have a lot in Hellraiser movies, where there's reaction shots that I feel like it just didn't come out well in editing. Because there were a couple of these in Hellraiser three. I remember where where Joey Dax was all reacting to specific elements in a horrific tableau, and it's like why that specific element? Like that. Oh no, there's a downstairs. Now I'm going to freak out. <laughs> so Amy is watching this, and there's a dead guy on a bed and a bunch of people standing around and chanting and shit and the cult leader dude who she's seen throw himself in front of a subway but then not and and all this stuff going on uh, and the dude's got a knife stuck out of his chest and uh, somebody probably Winter pulls the knife out and like the act of the knife having come out of the chest is what she like audibly gasps and winces at it's like why that specific yes uh, they just needed to have a reaction shot and that was where they figured that they would put it I I hate that that's, shit. That's when she discovers it wasn't just some kind of special effect. <laughs> I thought it was just a it was a rubber knife handle, and you know you put uh, you put some makeup around it. But oh my gosh, that's when. She and the funny part is, is that it also looked kind of fake, like a special, like it was really, really <laughs> obviously a special effect because they're pulling they're, they're pulling it out of like an unidentified mass that has some cloth on it that's supposed to be his chest, and you know the way that the blood comes out on it, it's really pretty. It, it doesn't come out like blood. It's not colored like blood. It's just red. And yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Maybe she's just aghast that, you know, stabbing a guy looks so bad in real life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I thought he'd be taller. Um, and then there's, um, there's a really sort of strange scene where he, you know, and, you know, goatee guy comes back from the dead. And, you know, he goes to all the debtors and they're all jumping up and down, excited like schoolgirls because he's alive. And then he just turns to Amy and, um, you know, he's got like the big hole in his chest from the knife. And he's, you know, he pokes around it and, you know, like he extends his hands to her and they're covered in blood. And it was kind of like sort of the uh, sacred heart imagery thing again, but not really. And then there's this sort of like, calm like I'm not, it, it was I'm not gonna say upbeat but it was just like calm and and like supportive revelatory music like in another film like the sort of music would be used for when you know somebody discovers that like the 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 the, the great king is actually his father or something it's just that sort of like sort of bombastic but melancholy but still positive music and they're using that while all the debtors are just showing Amy their wounds that they killed themselves with. Yeah, they're all like, look at my wound. They've got these big, like, yeah. happy, come-hither cultist smiles. Like, yeah, hey, you know, it's, it's great here. You, yeah, and, you and don't die. Guy, the, the weird thing is that shirtless guy's wounds are, they're, his wrists are slashed, but they're slashed the wrong way. <laughs> 
Well, you know, if you slash real deep, it'd probably still work. You know, I don't think it's that you can't kill yourself with a horizontal slash. It's just that it's it's not uh, nearly but as effective. But do you think everybody everybody stuck around for like the you know two to three hours it would take him to bleed out, having slit his wrist the wrong way? Maybe, maybe he was like, I want to take my time. I want to make this really. I want to experience it, man. Like, okay, we can. <laughs> we got nothing else to do. We live. Uh, we live in an underground secret cult place. Uh, yeah, let's do that. You sure you don't want to use the gun? We l- yeah. Listen, you know, we were going to go for pizza after this. This is kind of fucking with our plans. The movie's a 10. Just use the gun. Come how, on. How would you feel about... How, let's compromise. How about you carotid? You know, that'll... Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah that, it was a weird little moment. Uh, and then she, uh, then she meets with, um, with Winter in his office. <laughs> He's got an office in there. Well, you know, I guess you're running, paperwork. you're running a business. <laughs> a lot of insurance paperwork to do. Maybe that's what the debtor thing is. It's just a massive insurance scam. That could be. They're all killing themselves and finding a good opportunity to get pronounced dead so that they can collect, but then they're not really dead, so they get up and walk out of the morgue and, and so Yeah. That could be. It's a, it's a good <laughs> angle. Because, uh, yeah, money's got to come from somewhere. All the money may just come from the Le Marchand fortune if there's such a thing because as we find out she holds up the box to him and she's like what is it and he's like you might say it's a family heirloom passed down through many generations left here's a gift and i was like i was so excited in you know in as far as i can get excited at this film because i'd forgotten this angle that he's totally it's implied that he is fact you know a scion of of the yeah. marchand family tree a, a a a branch as it were yeah and yeah, I guess a different branch than the merchants, um, yeah, I because he's clearly got very different goals for the box, a box. That's the thing. I'm, now I'm really confused. Like, how, I'm just wondering how this ties into the middle section of Hellraiser Bloodline, because it it's sort of implied that this is this this is like the box, not one of the copies, but like the one box. I think maybe a lot of people just don't know that. Or, or maybe it's the fact that there were multiple boxes may be something that some people are aware of and others not. Are, are you telling me that people may have watched this movie without watching the other six Hellraiser movie first? It's, it's possible. Because I, it's possible. I, I, I don't know. It's that this seems. I feel like the fan base for this movie is. Us. Well, I don't know. You're 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 you're, 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 you're in Brazil in a video store. You're just looking for something <laughs> unfamiliar, and it's like, oh, what's this? Hellraiser. O Retorno der Motos, Mortos, Dos Mortos, uh, which is the Brazilian yeah. <laughs> title, apparently, The Return of the Dead. Uh, which Is it the return of Pinhead or the return of the deaders on the, when they come back from being dead? I, I think it's, yeah. It could be both. Have, have you ever seen a movie called, uh, you, the answer is going to be no, but it's called <laughs> The Sword. It's a... Uh, LDS Mormon uh, romantic comedy movie that's done as a Hollywood romantic comedy movie, but really low budget and very, very Mormony. And it's about a guy's struggle with the Mormon faith and his attraction to, you know, a, a good Mormon woman. But it's also a romantic comedy, so everybody's young and stuff. Blah, blah, blah. At some point, he decides that he's going to, you know, he, he's fuck this Mormon thing. And what he does is he goes to the video store and he rents, like, Friday the 13th, 1 through 9. Uh, what do you call it? Um... Nightmare on Elm Street, one through six. Like, is there, there's a scene in a video store. I'm thinking it's like, well, maybe he also threw, you know, threw Hellraiser in there. And this is the uh, one other guy on Earth asking this question <laughs> we're asking right now. <laughs> let's let's you, you know you should write some fanfic about it. Um, 
Oh, that would be. <laughs> and and then okay, so the cult leader's like, "Don't think for one second you're not in danger." And we're like, "Oh my gosh, that's what Pinhead said earlier." Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, are you, what? That's that's where it gets really weird. Where I didn't think they were setting it up as a twist that you'd think he's Pinhead because he isn't because they're making him like Le Marchand. It's you know. I, I feel like they 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 were trying to set something up, and then they they decided against it because him saying the exact same thing that Pinhead said in the exact same room that Pinhead said it in, you'd think, and you know, with with the history before about like you know Pinhead being a trickster god and appearing in different guises, um, you'd think you know it turns out Winter is Pinhead, but it, it he's he's not, and they just sort of yeah, it's that that was the that weirded me out, and then they yeah. just sort of cemented because he apparently he has the ability of super speed. He's got a superpower, I guess, and it's the the opposite power of all the Cenobites who are unable to move at anything but you know like a you know a, a very a very slow sort of stroll. He's able to you know super speed himself into Amy's face to tell her something that you know I don't I don't even recall what it was. I think it was "Don't dance with me." I, I think yeah, that was yeah, the line. Yeah. He tells them he's like, "Don't dance with me," and. That that was the moment that I realized that maybe if we take all of the uh, non sequitur lines from all of the Hellraiser movies and patch them together into like some sort of supercut, we can summon something from the other realm, <laughs> or just make a good song out of it. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, just lyrics be everything. Yeah, Pinhead will be the next. The people, um, yeah. Crap! What was that supercut with uh, Ghostbusters in it? Oh, now I don't remember. And now we're gonna have to feature it in the blog because it's so cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm totally spacing on what it was. Um, anyhow, so so he gives uh, Winter gives this big speech here, and it's not even like this is one of the moments where it's like I f- realized I didn't care enough to try and make sense of it. You know, he's talking about Marla and uh, how she doubts, and you know, you have to believe sincerely, and and the more she doubts, the deader she becomes. So <sighs> it would be it would be the clever moment in the film where they said the title of the film. If they hadn't made the title of the film also be a major recurring thing that people call themselves in the film. Uh, And then, uh, yeah. uh, Then then, he goes through like a really weird explanation of how he's involved with Pinhead, how he's raising them from the dead, what it has to do with the box, but none of it makes a lick of fucking sense. Yeah, I I really could not follow what they were even going for mechanically, but something like the idea that the box is, you know, a gateway, but that the killing themselves with this chanting thing they do is another sort of gateway to the same place. But then why do they need the box? Cause they've already figured out how to. What, what I can compare this to is like a lesser Philip K. Dick novel where, you know how like you get the big reveal at like, you know, then the last chapter of every Philip K. Dick novel and like the lesser ones, the big reveal makes no sense regardless of how many times you read it. Uh, I, if you've read Flow My Tears, the policeman said, you'll know what I'm talking about. Or you understand it, in which case, email me and tell me what the fuck happened. I have not but read that one. Anyway, one yeah, it's like it's supposed to be like a big re- revelation, but the words don't make sense in the order in which they're put together. And nothing is revealed. Yeah. And you're left with a sense of frustration and confusion. Oh, and on, on the tail end of this, uh, Amy. Uh, she, she has this line about how. Like this line that this is no one would ever say these words in this way. It's just like it's it's writing that just doesn't work coming out of someone's mouth. She holds up her hand and she's saying something about how Marla was as real as this flesh 
holding up her hand, and then Winter grabs her hand and gives a big speech about how that's when he does the super yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah, the flesh isn't real. Nothing is real. It, it, it for all uh, some stupid phrase that like 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 for all you know key uh, key qualifications you know. Uh, we're not real for all you know important qualifications. This isn't real, and blah 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 blah. And then and then we get more black and white flashbacks here, and this is where it gets like really clearly seen yeah. to imply that you know Dad's like putting her down on a table and he's taking off his belt and like you know probably gonna you know do terrible yeah, lusty things to her. A- there's there's one I, I think like the scene that like cements it because the first time I couldn't figure it out and the second time I was actually watching the like black and white molestation flashbacks things very carefully no matter how much I didn't want to be spending my time doing that but there is exactly one scene where she is like laying face down on like the kitchen counter or something and her body just really subtly moves forward and it cuts immediately and I think that was like the nail in the coffin for yeah, that. yeah there was also a real close shot of his face it seems like it might have been implying that what was happening that, yeah you know, was he sort of grunting as, as whatever yeah. uh, if you're if you're listening to this and, and you're an author filmmaker <laughs> or just any sort of creative person that at any point has to write the history of a, a woman for fuck's sake just leave this out of it please 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 it's just so it's this is what happens when it's poorly done and 99% of the time it's poorly done um, and that's my that if, if I can do one good thing with this podcast <laughs> it is to convince somebody who's writing something to be like maybe I'll use something different for her origin story yeah um, yeah and then, then Amy wakes up on the suicide and resurrection bed frame thing and and the cult leader's there holding her hand, and he says, "What did you see?" And then and then there's they they grab her, and there's chanting and threatening her with a knife, and and a yeah, random and is, a shot of a random yeah. crow again. Need it? Yeah. We need birds in here. Yeah. And and, and the, the, there's no explanation from how she got from his office onto the the the, the killing bed thing. Well, well, clearly the stuff that happened in between was all just a dream, and uh, yeah, fucking yes. And, and and Winters shouts at her, "No more pain, only pleasure!" Yeah. And then she wakes up because that was all just a dream, and she's naked yeah. in her bathtub. Yep. And she and uh, yeah, and this is this is like the 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 naked in the bathtub scene. So she she, she you know she puts a towel around herself, and this this actually I I really enjoyed this scene. Um, I think it was really well done in in the sense that. There was a very simple, simple thing they had to convey. They're, they didn't have to be subtle about anything. There didn't have to be any um, sort of, uh, what do you call it, undertone to it. It was just like, what you see is what you get. And I, I like this scene um, a lot. Uh, in fact, it was probably of like the last four <laughs> movies. This was probably the single most well done, like, in, like individual scene, like where you to take it out of context and look at it. Um, anyway, so what happens is that she, uh, you know what? Actually, I don't remember how she figures it out. Does she go to the mirror. She gets out of the tub. She puts a towel around herself. She she looks in the mirror and she tells herself, mm-hmm. "Get it together." Yeah. Uh, uh, we get a quick shot of her boots, which are indeed muddy, just like they would have been if she had actually yeah. gone to that muddy tunnel. So I guess it wasn't all just a dream, except for was yeah. it? Um. And then, and then, and I think we just cut to a shot of her in bed. She's like, we're like looking at her in bed. Oh, right. Yeah, that happens in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's, um, and she has another so yeah, bad so dream about her dad. 
taking his mm-hmm. belt off and the grunting and, and so on. And, and when she wakes up, there's like a thudding noise. I want to say it was even maybe a knifey noise. Yeah. Was it, was it, was it like a... Yeah, I think it was a little bit of... Sheek. Yeah, sort of. Okay. I, I just wrote thud. But yeah, it was a very yeah. conspicuous noise. And then so she goes to the... And what, yeah, I think she, at this point she's just wearing like underpants and like a, uh, like a men's flannel shirt or something. And she goes into the bathroom and she looks in the mirror again and like her chest, like the middle of her chest, there's a, it's, it's bleeding. Um, and then... Well, there's a little bit more to the how they roll up that shot, too, because we hear the knifey oh, sound, right. and, and she sort of gasps, and we mm-hmm. get a slow turn of the camera. Remember the, the, the scene in Hellraiser 5 that I, I harped on this happening a couple times, where we went from a, a, a shot of someone, a normal, like, upright shot yes. of someone laying down in yes. bed, uh, and then sort of slowly turn at 90 degrees until it's like they were upright, even though they're still laying yeah. in, in bed. So they do the same thing w- with her there, and then I think we get uh, a horizontal shot again. But in any case, we were still in bed there. We see blood sort of come cascading down her shoulder. Right. And that's when she gets right. up. And then, yeah, so then she goes back into the, the garish, like it's it's a very, the bathroom is, it's all white. It's very, very starkly lit. And then, you know, so she sees it and then she like sort of touches the front of it. And the, what do you call it? The, the, the point of the knife is sticking out of her chest. And that's when she realizes that there's a giant fucking knife stuck through her back. And at this point, you know, there's blood, you know, she's getting blood everywhere. She's flipping out. She's trying to reach it, but she can't because she's stabbed in the back, which Don't I thought Don't you was hate it when you've got a knife in your back in that one spot you can't reach? Yes. It's, it's the worst. Shit. And so she's, she's, she's like simultaneously flipping out, but trying to stay calm to assess the situation. And in the meanwhile, like, you know, she's stomping blood all over the floor. And I, 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 I enjoyed that. And eventually she figures out to get it out. She opens a drawer slams the uh well it doesn't slam but closes the drawer like with her like elbow onto the knife and then just sort of edges herself out of it which i thought was pretty cool and visceral and um just sort of like just at least a little piece of this is how an actual person would try to do this um the movie in a movie where nobody ever does anything that a normal human being would that was actually like you know how do i get the knife out you know it's like you you don't just wander around with it and then after she gets it out she's just like well shit now i gotta go figure out what happens and she um she gets duct tape and she lays it flat puts a pillow on it and then uses that to wrap it around her back and throws her jacket over it which was like another one of those things where it was just like that's actually that that was a well thought way to handle this like that where you know the the character thinking that was was a realistic thing that they would she would think because she's you know hard-boiled and stuff the 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 direction of it was pretty good so yeah that was just like that sort of made up for a lot of the crap in the movie i'm right there with you i I think it was a it was a strong few minutes i i thought the scene was effective i thought it was a she freaked out appropriately at a crazy freak out situation i liked the lateral thinking with yeah using the cupboard door to to grasp the knife to get it out of you. I mean, I, I, you, you could complain that like, you know, what a person should do is probably still be in denial that they're walking around somehow unaffected by a knife wound yeah. and uh, maybe, you know, call an ambulance or something, but yeah. you know, whatever we'll run with it because, yeah. okay. And, also, and yeah. the, 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 the other thing is that, and if you're listening to this and you've been stabbed with a knife, do not take the knife out. Yes. If, if there's an object inside of you, leave it there because things will get worse when you take it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's your, your pro tip in case you're currently listening to the podcast and have an object embedded in your flesh. Uh, just go to the emergency room. Yeah, leave it in there. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And then it's, what is it? Wait, does she have an encounter with Pinhead? Oh, yeah, she does. It, so, so, yeah. Oh, and also there's lots of bloody handprints as a result of all this. So mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. a callback to uh, Julia in the second film. And, and, and um, what's his face in uh, the, was, is it the cop? Because who does, Pinhead cleans the blood off somebody's hands. I don't remember if it was the cop or the guy that kills Kirsty. I can't remember, yeah. Um, yep. Oh, no, yep. it, it, was, it was Duffy. It was Duffy. His was hands Duffy, were suddenly yeah. clean, yeah. It's going to be so confusing for anybody who doesn't specifically have that association of that guy, you know. Uh, yeah, Pinhead shows up and he disavows like any responsibility and then does some convenient exposition. And again, it's like it's just sort of uh, it's it's not great Pinhead moments, unfortunately. I mean, Pinhead's doing fine, but it's like it just yeah. doesn't do much in the film. He does say at one point, I am your redeemer. I am the way, which again. Yeah, that was the, pretty cool. And she throws a lamp at him. Yeah, and it misses. Yeah, well, I think or, he, well, he, I think he it, disappears. Yeah, he poofs out of existence or whatever. Uh, but definitely, <laughs> always a good call. Throw a lamp at Pinhead. That's a good, good plan. And this, this, I think this is the first time somebody's actually tried to physically attack him, though. Maybe, yeah. She's 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 forging new ground. It's representative of the the diminishing power of the series uh, that uh, he's becoming vulnerable to uh, a sort of Lamps. in-universe expression of fan annoyance. <laughs> Uh, Hellraiser 17 he just gets shot 17 times that's yeah I, I just you know what from this point I hope that like if they keep going with more Hellraiser movies lamps become like his weakness like you know the uh, the original green lantern with wood and then the next green lantern with uh, the color yellow Pinhead's thing can't be attacked by lamps That that's yep. his weakness yep someone starts a, a well because lamps are a source of light uh, uh, yeah. so you know the, the light casts out the darkness uh so that we get this soft piano getting cleaned up and dressed in bandage montage, walking the streets, feeling isolated from humanity and your strange new nature as uh, someone who is fatally wounded but not dead somehow. And uh, she actually did kind of a bad job of bandaging herself up. I have to say. I mean, I, I like that she. I like that she did it, but uh, she's bleeding a lot whenever she stands still for like even a second. There's a pool of blood down there. Even though there's no obvious dripping, you know, I guess really who I'm criticizing is the filmmaker, not the character here. But that, that, that's a lot of blood right there, and and then she's so she's in the subway and she's bleeding because that's what she does now is bleed whenever she stands still, uh, and and she's worried that the security guard's going to like notice and have an issue with it. I guess so. What she does is she grabs a newspaper and throws it down and tries to sort of sop up some blood and then some more and then eventually. She's panicking more and more because this security guard's still coming and there's still blood around. So she just knocks over the whole fucking newspaper rack, <laughs> which this is the one of those moments that would have worked so much better in a comedy than it does in a straight face scene. Because like, oh, I don't want to attract attention. I'd better knock over this rack of newspapers in this <laughs> deserted subway. That guy certainly won't notice anything awry then. And then she gives him like the biggest sort of fake girly smile in the entire film. Yeah. She's like, oh, gosh, paper. Yeah, it was a... Uh, the full extent of her feminine wiles. Yeah, which is weird because like her character and reality would work just fine. Be like, ah, fuck, look what I did. Jeez, you know, a shrug. Uh, what do you do? But no. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking, what is gonna like? What is the cop gonna do because of all this blood? It's, like, it's clearly hey, coming hey, from her. <laughs> hey, lady, you can't bleed in here. <laughs> there was this. Okay, so this was one time I was. I, I went to a to a party. Um, in Queens, which is very far away from my – that part of Queens is very far away from the part of Brooklyn I live in. I got up, and I was very hungover, and I got on the train, and I'm on this train for about an hour 45, and 
two stations before I have to get off at my house. I'm just like, well, this hangover's finally got the best of me, and I puke in the train. The train's empty except for like maybe two or three people in it, and so I puke in you know just like a really isolated space, you know, and and then I just move down a bit just so I don't have to sit in it, and then I get off the train. And then I see this guy um, talking to a cop that's on my train station, and the guy points at me, points at the train, like, you know, clearly, like, telling the cop that, like, hey, that guy did that. And the cop's just, like, looking at him and shrugging and, like, the, what do you want me to do about it, way? <laughs> like, I'm not going to clean it up. It's not illegal, I don't think. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that was sort of how... Yeah, I, I could see a narrow, a, a narrow situation where a transit authority person sitting next to you might give you a ticket or something, essentially for <laughs> littering. But even that would be kind of a dick move. If you know, yeah, I don't know. Yep. So anyway, um, she gets back on the subway car, and Joey is there, and the party's still going on. Joey is now in mid-coitus. She pulls him, like, you see him, like, what it looks like he's, like, partying with two of those, you know, the, uh, the, the bordello girls, and she pulls him out of the way, and his pants are, like, around his thighs, and you get, a, you get an ass shot of Joey, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, but he was, like, he was, like, ass up against the front of a girl behind him, so I'm not sure if oh. it was, I don't, I'm not sure there was actual coitus happening quite at that moment. Uh, I think they may have just been like pants down bumping against each yeah. other or something like you do. Um, I want to see a movie just about what happens in that train car. Maybe theory. like a romantic comedy set around it yeah, or something yeah. like yeah. a quirky indie thing where, yeah, it's. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so she, uh, she goes back to the Ticketing Joey. Joey. <laughs> uh, a straight faced meter yeah. maid falls in love with a renegade subway partier and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he goes all Philosopher King again and talks about puzzles and nihilism. Oh, yeah, he's just like, you know, that's where the two of us are. She tells him, you know, like, she's having all these problems and things are getting worse. He's like, you know, that's what the two of us got in common. We both don't know when to get off the train. <laughs> he means figurative and literal. Yep. I, I guess most of just means figurative. I think they both do know when to actually get literally off of a train. It's usually at the stop that you want. <laughs> but, uh... Oh, and he also, he mentions that she's got a great ass. And yeah. see, this is something this is that her boss did. Yeah, it's like yeah. twice in this film, a male character is just like, oh, and you've got a great ass. Uh, or, or her boss is like your small but well-shaped ass. And it's like, this is the laziest, dumbest sort of writing. It's just, ugh. Uh, yeah. So anyway, especially and especially ironic from what you were mentioning about her being happy. Like, as long as it's not about my breasts, yeah, you know it's what? Not, it's not as long about the dick. Uh, and then the subcar subway car just goes all gross and evil and dark. Joey's laying there looking all dead. The naked chicks are yeah. dead. There's blood all over everybody. Instead of just like disembodied mannequins, there's some disembodied people. Uh, and there's a Cenobite. There's a Cenobite sitting there, like, with stitched up eyes, doing some sewing in some lady's yeah. flesh. Which I think is, like, sort of a callback to uh, the fact that somebody, like, was getting tattooed in the train car. But it doesn't really work because they show the tattoo person and the person, like, the tattoo artist and the person who's getting tattooed both dead. Yeah. So that was kind of like, you know, if you're going to do the needle thing, you just don't. You know, don't 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 give us the the, the payoff and then the, the the payoff again in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, um, then, and there's bloody handprints all over the people, and there's a doll in ch- there's chains everywhere now, of course. Yeah. You know, there's a doll in chains. There's a human rib cage hanging off oh, the chain. Oh, the doll was because um, when she, like, the, originally when everybody was still alive, there was a woman in there, and she was breastfeeding a doll. Oh, I totally or, like, missed that. Like, she was that. miming breastfeeding a doll. Then that, that, the doll was then, like, the woman's dead, and the doll's, like, you know, strung up in chains. See, and there's a lady and a doll later in the common room of the mental hospital. I wonder yep. if it was the same thing. Yeah. I, didn't, I, yeah, oh. I didn't catch the first one. That ties things together a little bit. Uh, and then she runs into uh, Zombie Manda, who is now totally like Marla. Not like Marla. Marla was it Marla? I think yeah. it was Amanda. I think there was an Amanda as well, but this was Marla. Oh, this was Marla. Well, she's she's now she's zombified, and she for some reason like the shading, and she had like these little barrette things in her hair. It just reminded me of uh, Howie Mandel and Little Monsters for some reason. <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like that. And it, but but for some reason it was just again I got like a serious like Howie Mandel and Little Monsters vibe off that. Yeah. Um, Marla looks and, both more and less dead now too. She's like got conspicuously yeah. like you know, cheekbone showing through her rotting flesh, but she also doesn't look as dead as she looked when she was in the bathroom. Was that was that, was that was supposed to be? She was supposed to have like bones showing through the flesh. I think it was so. very. It was so clean. Yeah, like I, I, it, there there was no way for that to naturally happen because the muscle would either be hanging on or it would have to be very careful. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was my interpretation I, of the intent, but uh, who knows? I thought it was just big nothing boils, else, makes sense but either. that doesn't make. That makes yeah. less sense. Yeah. So, yeah. It was not, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, yeah. and, and Marla's basically just, she's revealing that she's the one who stabbed Amy. Uh, so I guess it was her in the hood, except for was it her in the hood or was it her in Amy's bedroom? Because it seems like that's when Amy actually got stabbed and the previous threat things. It makes no fucking sense. As usual, everything in the, like the chronology of this, it's not clear when she actually got stabbed and which pieces were imagined or what. And, then, and it's really disappointing because th- this movie had like a very clear trajectory yeah, during is, the first two acts. Yeah, it was this is really where it's straight. it's completely lost its shit now. At this point, yeah. it's just like, I don't know what's going on here. Because then Amy's in her old black and white memory. And Marla's yeah. there too. And Marla's like, oh, there's no getting away. Or like, a mem- pain is where you go to learn or whatever. One of the lines she repeats. And then, Wait, was this before or after she goes to the uh, psych ward? This is before. Okay. So so she's in the memory and mean old dad's walking up and he gives a big old forehand smack and like and I think we cut to black and then we cut mm-hmm. to oh my gosh it was all just a dream and there's our girl Amy waking up in a mental ward uh and this time she's sort of chained to the 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 bed and her boss is there again and it's bright sunlight and a nice white room and the music is peaceful and everything's okay except for she's chained to a bed in the mental ward. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and 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 then and she goes to the to the uh, she has a conversation with Charles. I don't even remember if what uh, happens. There was in nothing that. interesting, but he is yeah. like, oh, they they're they're hesitant to let you go. Oh, She's no, like, yeah. that's the best news I've heard all day. Yeah, no, like, he says it's like um no he ma- he makes uh he says he's just like you know she's just like oh I thought I went psychotic. He's just like well either way it's a good story you know um and he makes fun of the like other article her yeah the oh yeah um. How to be a psychotic, or wait, better yeah, yet, psychotic. Like episode one. I'm yeah. just like, is that a is that a Star Wars joke? <laughs> Did they just like really? That's wow. Um, anyway, so she goes into like the all ages psych ward, or the common room, the all ages common room of the hospital psych ward, and uh, there's different people there doing different things, and there's this one little girl with like a shitload of art supplies in front of her, and uh, so. There's also there's a, ch- there's a ch- I want to point out there's a chess game uh, going on which we could call a health uh, five 
thing. There's yeah. also a lady doing cat cradle really badly, and a little kid riding around a tricycle, and then the lady on the couch with the doll is mentioned. And a lady slowly and, rubbing a spoon on the surface of a table for no reason, I guess, because yeah. that's what crazy people do. And also, the floor yeah. of this common room is white and black checkered tiles. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so she comes up to this girl, and, and she, the girl's like, she's like, are you painting pictures? She's like, yeah, can I, can I you know, make a picture of you? And Amy's like, sure. And she sits down, and the girl starts you know, drawing stuff, and there's all these cuts to actually, like, you know, an actual like, artist's hands working, like, very diligently making a sketch. And the, um, it's a lot of a, uh, what do you call that? It's, it's not a jump cut. It's a uh, shit. Um, it's a, shit it's a very specific oh, a kind cut. of cut. Smash cut. There's a smash cuts. Just like smash cuts into slow motion and regular motion of like the girl giggling and drawing stuff and Amy reacting to it. And you, you could see like a very uh, realistic portrait coming together, not even like a caricature, but like yeah, a portrait. Like a, yeah, portrait. yeah, a nice realist uh, yeah. Yeah, pencil portrait. And then there's something weird about it. Like it's kind of spooky and the girl's like, no peeking. And then she finally reveals to it. And I shit you not, it is a portrait of Amy Klein as Two-Face from Batman the Animated yes. Series. Yes, it was Rule 63 Two-Face. Yeah, and I'm and I'm and and you know Amy freaks out because it's so weird. I'm just like, well, just ask her to draw you as the Green Lantern. I mean, this is this is clearly what she's doing. That's it's. She's just, it was just she's working up a portfolio for her deviant art. Come on, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was just like so clearly. It was you know like it, like the, the 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 demon face is like straight down the middle, and it's got like the same eye thing that the Two Face in the animated series. Yeah, had. Really, it looks like nothing that's happened anywhere in the film. It doesn't look like yeah. what happens to you when you become a debtor. You know, there's no other visual reference that ties to it. It's a really great drawing, but it's <laughs> a really great drawing from something that has nothing to do with this movie. So it's 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 a really weird choice. Like even like pinhead pins would have been a better sort of shock. Oh yes. my gosh, I don't understand thing, but. <laughs> Although I feel like this is the universe trying to again suggest that whole Batman Hellraiser crossover comic needs to get put yeah. together. So, you know, maybe that's what that's all about. It's a message. Uh, also, Marla's totally healthy and alive and watching cartoons in the lobby of this yeah. nut house. And she gives a little speech about uh, ultimate pleasure and the amazing overloading of nerve endings that yeah. you couldn't even imagine, which is really calling back to the text of, you know, the original short story, yeah. which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and she, she's just like she, yeah. She's just like you know, it's the ultimate pleasure. Imagine all your nerve endings alive in a way you can't comprehend, or at least that's what they say. <laughs> she just sort of, yeah. She's just sort of like, like nonchalant, like just, just, just like, oh, it might be just a rumor. It might be nothing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you know, she's being sarcastic. Oh yeah, that'll totally happen. Yeah, you'll be like beyond you know the thresholds of human experience, whatever. And like sort of emphasizes that Amy really is like the quizots hotterack of whatever winter's doing with this cult and yep. you know literally the chosen one and yeah. and then but it turns out marla was just a dream and amy's not bleeding was also just a dream because amy's bleeding now i you know and there's a and creepy Marla's door missing. and this is yeah marla just disappears and this is where it gets and amy starts wandering down a hall towards a creepy door and it's a creepy door that looks just like a creepy door from her flashbacks from her childhood home with the terrible dad and so she's wandering along and getting more bloody foot you know, handprints on the walls because, you know, let's go for the record, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and then well, we... Well, it could be a callback to Hellraiser 2 when, um... Oh, my God, I've forgotten every character's name. <laughs> what the fuck is her name? Uh, Julia? The, yeah, when Julia leaves that handprint yeah, on the yeah, wall. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You know, so Amy's just taken up uh, up several notches this time. So this is, okay, this is this is... This is a scene that would be interesting if it wasn't so infuriating, like, what the fuck is this, what you're doing with the film? We get this long parallel montage that starts playing out with the 
the the creepy door from her memory versus is the same creepy door at the end of this white and black checkered hall. And it's sort of recursively parallel too, which is just, um, yeah. I mean, keep. I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring yeah. it up and actually get to that part. So 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 we get this as as a montage. We're getting cuts of the black and white memory, and uh, you know the mean dad and the little girl. And we've seen a couple of flashes previously in the film of him like opening a door and there's this little girl in a closet. And I think the implication was supposed to be that maybe this is Amy and she was yeah. hiding in the closet or maybe he was keeping her in the closet, but you know, all of it complicit, whatever in the you know terrible child abuse that's being implied. Uh, but this time we get a longer view of him opening the door and she's standing there and it's a creepy little girl and she's looking up and she's got sort of like uh wide-ish, but like, collected eyes and actually just a little tiny bit of a grin on her face standing there looking up and that's where you're supposed to be like oh my gosh something's weird here i guess but then she's got a knife and she stabs him right in the gut but amy's been wandering like you know stumbling down the hall and gasping towards this door in the in the mental hospital and the little girl stabs the guy and she reacts to the stab and we get this whole series of parallel cuts back and forth the memory and amy where she's Mm -hmm. basically experiencing in mime the reaction her dad had when she stabbed him so her wound mirrors his wound and he's falling down and she's falling down and he's reaching out and she's reaching out yeah the whole time though they're also they're also uh, cutting between the memory that the little girl is there and that grown Amy is there. And she, so she's, she's in the memory that they're cross-cutting to the, the real world that she's remembering from. And so she's in both of these places at once in two different ways. Why is, it yeah. was just, yeah. And it's like, it it's like, the, like they're just trying to do this thing in twin. Like my read is maybe like you could read this as, She's sort of experiencing a revelatory, uh, suddenly rushing back recollection just now of her own sort of patricidal uh, solution to the whole abusive dad problem thing. And so her wound here is like figuratively self-inflicted somehow and she's confronting yes. her own guilt about what she did as a child. And so like fear. But there's no reason for her to feel guilty because they set it up that the fact that this was clearly like a heroic, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it just doesn't like, make a there's not enough of fr- fucking sense. Like, yeah, if they were trying to suggest that maybe everything else that was implied that was not quite shown of like child abuse was actually maybe something that never happened and she was in fact just a psycho little kid who stabbed her dad for no reason, like that would be that would at least work in theory if you built the story around that as a revelation, but that's never it's never even like suggested in the film here. I mean, it's really suggested yeah. that she had a slightly weird smile on her face when she finally stabbed her, you know, sexual molester dad in the stomach with a knife. Yeah, so I mean, it's it like, was just like you know, just just really bog standard like rape revenge stuff. Yeah. So why she's having this hugely sympathetic her as him figurative reaction in parallel at this point late in the film is totally fucking unclear. Like, there's no. Yeah. There's no satisfying, oh, this parallelism really works. It's more like, why the fuck this parallelism? It, it. <sighs> but then it turns out that was all just a dream, and she's back on the bed at Deader HQ, and she hasn't been stabbed, and she's being offered a knife by Winter while everybody chants. And it's like, how much of the film didn't happen then? Because you're still just yep. like, you just got there, and Joey's there now. Uh, yeah, and he's yeah. a deader, and he's dead. And so it's like, he was warning her off, but maybe he never warned her off because she yeah, never like really was, did that because she was be lying like, here the whole time. It's like a Jacob's yeah. ladder thing. Just like it's supposed to be revealed that, you know, maybe he's not a good guy, but a bad guy, well, but he and, was never really set up as a good guy anyway. Yeah, and, well, and well, and he was, and maybe he was never on the train. Cause maybe she never went to the train. Cause she's been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
like that's the thing it's not clear whether time has passed or if like this has all been like something in her head for five minutes while she was held down on this bed so it's like (sighs) and marla's here and she's looking pretty dead again and and so like and it's been set up as like you know what you have to do is like and so she's holds up the knife over her head like she's gonna stab herself and we see the knife coming down like she's gonna stab herself Uh, and the whole time we keep getting cross cut shots to the Le Marchand's box, uh, with little lightning effects that is described yeah, like earlier. Didn't look like it was cheap. Yeah. And, and, every, and so she stabs not herself, but the table next to the box, <gasps> which is weird because like, she's got this like really dramatic stab thing going arms overhead, you know, really going to plunge that knife in there. And it would have actually like, unless she's a professional sword fighter, it would have taken some some sort of finagling to actually end up having the knife stab a different thing like two feet away from her with one hand. It was that was that was a little sloppy. Yeah, it, 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 I think you'd sort of telegraph that a lot. Yeah, you know? at that point you might as well just like throw the knife at someone, and you yeah. know, I don't know. And then she picks up the box and she shouts because, of course, she does. Go <laughs> to hell, and uh, and then she throws the box. Like past I, everyone, yeah. And I, I, I don't feel like we even saw her solve it. Like even fast, fast Amy yeah. Klein solving style. I don't think that even that happens. She just picks it up yeah. and she chucks it like fifty feet across the room, and the cult leader dude is all no. And then the box transforms like it usually does when you solve it. And yep. there's a lot of lightning, a lot of lightning, and Pinhead shows up in a nice grand flashing reveal uh, along with a couple of Senibek friends. One of them is definitely Chatterer. Two or three. Well, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, I, I don't know. One of them is the stitching one. One of them is just one of those, like, sort of run-of-the-mill, uh, uh, what do you call it, Cenobites from before. I think it was just, like, the one that was, like, bound across the eyes. It just looks yeah. like Butterball, but with extra shit on him. Um, and then, yeah, I think one of them was supposed to be chatterer But he never gets to chatter. I mean, he, yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely Chatterer, and he's credited accordingly, but he just, we get a shot of him from, like, a... A, a, a medium shot of of him standing there, and that's all we get. So, so ugh. there's a cutaway shot of Stitch from uh, from the previous movie, the one with the the face that looks yeah. like a straight jacket. Uh, and then, yeah, it's like uh, they didn't really, they just sort of got Cenobites to show up on set for this one, and like that's all they did with it, which is really yeah. Good it was like Pinhead was just like, hey guys, I'm, it was like. <laughs> Just about every scene in uh, Seinfeld where, like, um, you know, Kramer and Jerry are hanging out. And Jerry's like, I got to go do some stuff. You doing anything? No. Want to come along? Yeah, sure. It was just like one of those, like, hey, anybody doing anything? Uh, you know, keep me company for the ride over here. Look spooky. Yeah, I'm in. I, got, I, got, I don't have a lot going on. I got a meeting this afternoon, but I don't really care if I don't get back for it. Now. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was talking about chain hygiene again. It's like, come on. It's a... Uh, I just love the idea of just like the 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 you know the the uh, what do you call it the the universe of pain that, that they all reside is actually just like a really laid back sort of place, kind of like a teacher's lounge where they're just you know somebody's having a drink, somebody's going through some papers, you know maybe somebody's smoking. Um, yep. They're just like, oh, do we have to do the thing now? Uh, all right, give me a sec. Yep. Yeah. I would love to see um, that. <laughs> uh, and okay, so now we get chains and hooks coming out of the wall, and this is you know classic Hellraiser. And oh, so situation um, here. again, the uh, the chains that come out of the wall are CGI'd, but the moment that they embed themselves into flesh and then start pulling the other way, they're real. So they did that thing again. Yeah, it was less conspicuous to me this time. I guess I think maybe I was just dead inside. 
uh, <laughs> at this point. But uh, I didn't notice it as much. Maybe just because like it was less obviously a fucking impossible thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the bunch of bunch of chains. Uh, and, and this, then, uh, this winter was, gets strung up. Yeah, just just like just like Frank in the original one. Yeah. Uh, so this was very very classic Hellraiser sort of uh, chain and hook situation. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I feel like, s- well, although w- one thing that's different is Frank Cotton, for all his terribleness, seemed to be sort of a little bit on board, even with this terrifying situation he was in. Like, he, he yeah. managed to crack a sort of sick grin, you know, when he was being hooked up and about to be torn apart. Whereas uh, this this winter dude, this this uh, Lamar Sean fellow, uh, just really looks unhappy with the whole thing. He's very, yeah, he's- he wasn't on board with this, which, I mean, fair enough. Who would be? But uh, uh, I guess Frank is the question I answered yeah. before I asked it. But <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then uh, does he get torn apart? Yeah, he, he gets torn apart pretty quickly. There may have been a couple lines, but I didn't yeah. make a note of anything interesting. Yeah, and so the, he gets torn the chains apart. just sort of pull at him, and then there's really bad CGI of him getting pulled apart. It was like I, it was Buffy quality CGI. I think that for some reason that the 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 just the the extreme effect and like the shoddiness of it just reminded me of like some of the CGI on Buffy. Yeah, it was a, it was, um, it was a little too on camera. Well, and that's the funny thing is yeah. like like you know the CGI chains coming out of the wall there, and I feel like that's the tra- they wanted to have they wanted to see the chains actually you know, like coming out and hitting their targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some practical shots too of chains just bursting through walls too, which they had mm-hmm. used previously. But in the in the original film or maybe the original couple films, we always got that weird sort of shot of chains coming out of pure darkness towards the camera, which was really obviously like, hey, we can't shoot this actually working, so we'll just shoot this thing. So I I can see the trade-off going both ways. I kind of like the charm of the original films. Here's just some contextless shots of chains flying towards the camera instead of the uh, let's CGI in the the whole thing, because, yeah, it still ends up looking cheap. Yep, and... um yeah, so and then he gets torn apart, and then and there's another practical shot of like organs hanging off, uh, organs hanging off chains, and that was that was pretty cool. Some practical effects, but that was just limbs and stuff. So yeah, it was. Uh, you'll see better stuff on Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pinhead does. This is my favorite oh, yeah. stupid thing in the film. There's all these deaders standing around. In two perfectly, uh, straight, two perfectly lines. straight columns, and 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 Pinhead sends a couple of gigantic fucking chains flying through their abdomen. So like, foof, chain flies out of one wall through them and back out the other wall. Uh, gets four people in a row, and then does the other four on the other side. Uh, and so they've all got giant holes in their abdomen. They all fall over, except for Joey, uh, <laughs> who pauses to be all. He's like, well, for fuck's sake before falling over because once again this is apparently a film that secretly wants to be a comedy yeah that was i i thought that was i mean i'm i'm glad they gave him an ending like that yeah why not i was I mean, hoping that they wouldn't just be like oh and then joey dies too whatever because he was just such a character um it actually reminded me of have you seen or read sin city yes uh, um, I've read the first two books remember, and I've seen I'm the film. Try, it, it was definitely it was I don't remember which book it was, but it was one of the montages in the film. I think it was the one with uh, Dwayne. Um, but anyway, the one where the, there's um, a point in which Miko, the uh, the ninja assassin girl, um, where she fires an arrow uh, with a message on, it and it goes like right through a guy, and he's like, "Hey, what the hell?" Because <laughs> it impales him like right in the stomach. He's like, "Guys, check this out." It reminded me of that, and I, I, I like that scene a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah. 
And then, um, yeah, so he kills all these people, uh, and then it's just Amy and, and Pinhead, and he's just like, there's some more just just bizarre nonsense about like the way that her and Winter and Pinhead's interactions are working that, again, I did not understand at all. Yeah. And apparently to, to, to send him back, she had to kill herself. But well, yeah, it, and he has this line: "There is no way back but through me." Uh, yeah, I think I think it was basically saying, you know, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Uh, and yeah, and that felt like a slightly Jesus tinged line yeah. there too. Uh, and then, yeah, Amy does stab herself. Yeah, she still kills herself, and apparently, I guess it's the intent of killing yourself that decides these things is what they were implying. I guess it's it, it made no fucking sense to no. me. It did not come out of it having a sense of what the yeah. hell. I was supposed to, you know, think happened here, but uh, and and then somehow her killing herself blows everything up. Yeah, and and Pinhead is really unhappy about this situation. Yeah. The box gets all sparkly, and, and 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 it all goes bluey. And Pinhead's like, "No!" Oh, and also after she stabs herself, she totally holds her arms out uh, to the side of it oh, and yeah, falls backwards. Yeah. So we get some more crucifixion shtick there. Yeah. Like she's one upping his, there is no way, but through me thing. It's like, fuck you. I can do it. Jesus. I'm doing the Jesus. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, everything explodes and we fade to white. Now it's a close up on a TV screen. Oh, and it's a news report. Yeah. And, and okay. So this is the, uh, the, the TV is in the boss's office in London. He's back in London. Apparently, but the TV screen, we've got some blonde reporter with an accent on what is labeled on the screen as a world news broadcast. But it's a broadcast on international news about a fire in some <laughs> building in Bucharest that they're like she says, it's unknown if anyone was in the building. So why on fucking why would that be on the news? Like, hey, I heard a warehouse caught on fire. Oh, was anybody hurt? Oh, I don't know. Let's get down there. We got to get this over to the BBC as soon as we possibly can. And the it, weird thing is, the, the news footage, it looked like, I, I, I'm almost entirely sure that the, the, the actress playing the journalist was green screened onto the background footage, but <laughs> why? Maybe. You shot the footage. They just got some it's, B-roll. Of, well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just got some B-roll of a fire, and then they wanted to turn it into a, a news lady reporting. And then she's just like, it's like, the only thing found at the scene was this mysterious artifact, somehow undamaged. And she holds up the box. I'm like, isn't that, isn't that evidence? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there somebody more uh, important for to, to have that in their hands than some random journalist on the scene? Yeah, and how did you get that? Was it in the burning building? Are you just holding up this thing that was? Yeah, it, it makes it's the dumbest fake news report ever. You know, I mean that's probably not true, but it was pretty fucking dumb. And you're landing your film on this. This is this is this is your 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 coda to your film, and you do it with this. And then, uh, and then the boss is three o'clock. There, a lady named Miss Turner arrives, and looks a little bit like Terry with an eye. If she was doing a little yeah. bit more of the clean cut, like and you she's know. clearly supposed to be like overtly sexy, like she's wearing like a very short skirt and like you know a small tank top. And Charles is clearly supposed to be like creeping on her a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I think, yeah, li- not not like totally, but it was definitely like more sexualized than they ever did with Amy Klein. Yeah, why I'm now also referring to by her full name. <laughs> It's contagious. Um, and then he's just like, he was just like, you know, I've got, you know, I've got this video to show you. Maybe you can get your head around it. 
Uh, and then she's, and you know, he goes to share the video, and then it zooms in on this photo of Amy and Charles, like clearly in their like earlier days before he was like her boss, because they're both, you know, the the, the and it looked like maybe they were even in a relationship. Like Amy sort of maybe. like, uh, you know, uh, had a look of longing at this photo when she was in his office all the way beginning of the movie. And it just zooms in on this photo and it zooms in on her face, like smiling happily. And really no close idea. on her eyes. And yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like, yes, we no know, idea. we know Amy disappeared. We know that's, we just watched the movie. You don't need to emphasize that Amy well, is a central figure. I, I don't, yeah, like outside of the fact that this is the mo- person the movie was about, I don't know what they were trying to emphasize. The fact that she was happy, the fact that she had a relationship with Charles, who's now luring somebody else in there for no reason whatsoever. It's just like, it, it, it's just, you know, the, just, just a, the, the icing on the incomprehensibility cake. Yeah. And then we roll credits. Yep. Boom. And, yeah, and that's, I mean, did you get any <sighs> trivia about this? No, nobody cares about enough about this movie to have trivia yeah, on the, it. Yeah, there was not a whole lot that, that I saw that Spike glance. wasn't in it. Yeah, I, di- um, I, didn't, I didn't finish reading through all of the stuff on Clivebarker.com about the film. Yeah, I, I was reading some of it. Um, and yeah, it, there was just a lot of the, the uh, on, on ClivebarkerCom. Uh, let me say they they, they were actually like the uh, ClivebarkerCom has um run like uh, rundowns and like excerpts of interviews for people that are involved with every Hellraiser movie, regardless of whether Clive was involved. And uh, for this one, this is the first time I saw it because I checked this for every uh, every one of the podcasts. I crossed up and said, "We have nothing from Clive Barker about this. If anybody does, let us know." The, it, it was similar for Six, which is notable because in Six, uh, they, they had the same sort of message. There's nothing from Clive on it, and then there's several quotes from Tim Day swearing that Clive Barker loved the movie. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, it's like it's it's a weird combination of like secondhand effusive praise and firsthand no comment, which is kind of I don't know what to. It could be they just didn't find any quotes, but uh, you know it's the Clive Barker website. You know maybe you can find yeah. fucking something. Maybe you can ask him. This movie was shot in twenty five days. That's that's a that's, a, that's a schedule there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So one thing that the, the, the effects shop for this this is a Stan Winston production, but I think it was more like Stan Winston producing. He's produced a number of films that were not very good looking. Is um, this is this the sort of like production credit where this person like? We paid this person to put his name on it. Is it? That I think kind it's made, production I credit? think it may be like more a, like we convinced this person that this is worth pursuing, and they gave us some money, and thus got some control. Like Stan Winston, I think was one of the people who uh, helped make the movie happen in a monetary sense, probably. Okay, but uh, but it, yeah, I don't know. He's he, he's done a ton of makeup stuff. That's what he's like. You know, classically famous for. He's a huge. You know, monster makeup uh, uh, giant in the the history of the industry. Um. But uh, the actual effects shop for this uh, is Two Hours in the Dark Incorporated, which is a effects shop or makeup shop, I should say, for uh, a, a guy named Gary Tunnicliffe, who has been involved, uh, I think, in all of them. They've basically done the makeup for everything from Hellraiser 3 through Hellraiser 9. And it's possible Gary himself was involved earlier and the company just didn't exist or something, because I want to say he might even go back to the original films. Uh, but they, they did all this stuff and the two later Prophecy films. Um, and he was also the second unit director for this film, so yeah. so he's he's got his he's got his fingers in it apparently. And Not least, enough, <laughs> or maybe too much. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really reviewed his other stuff to decide. But yeah, they as a shop, two hours in the dark has done uh, 
effects stuff for a ton of films, like a bunch of legitimately good stuff. So I guess when you do effects, you're, you know, it's how good the effects are, not how good everything else is. And the effects are uh, okay in a lot of this. Um, this, as we established, this was shot in Bucharest, uh, along with three other films, apparently at the same time. Uh, uh, so it was hell world was shot at the same time as it was well, shot back to back. I'm not sure if that means at the same time or like they finished shooting one and then immediately started shooting the other. Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to speculate about that with my wife. Actually, we were trying to come up with, you know, what was the most plausible scenario. She was voting for the back to back, which is probably the saner way to go. But I kind of yeah. wonder if, if you're really getting budget, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, you get your scenes mixed up. I we, I was watching. Um, well, especially with especially of, with Carrie being the star of the two prophecy films that were shot uh, in the same yeah. period too. So it's like I don't know. Yeah. I, I was watching um, an episode of CSI, and I came in like you know a little bit after it started because uh, my fans had already been watching it, and I'm just like, and I'm watching this, and I'm watching this, and I'm watching this. Turn to her, I'm like, are there two? Plots? She's like, yeah, every episode has two plots. I'm like, oh, because I spent the whole movie trying to reconcile <laughs> like the two different murders and being like, well, maybe that person did it, you know, because he wanted to get the money from the mobster to get this guy's daughter, you know, to, to do something else. And, and I just could not for the life of me figure it out. I'm just like, I'm wondering if that's ever happened when they shoot two movies simultaneously and it's just like, oh, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Um, yeah. Oh, I wanted to say one quick thing about the, the Cenobite on the train stitching a lady up. I feel like mm-hmm. that Cenobite was totally stitching up basically a uh, sort of throat triangle, throat diamond vulva sort of thing like the female Cenobite has in the first film. And I don't know if that was intentional uh, or if they were just like doing a thing. I read, I definitely read somewhere uh, that that might have been an illusion. Uh, it might have been in ClydeBarker.com. Okay. Uh, Maybe that was a thing. Because, yeah, I remember noticing that at the time. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the, one of the things that the uh, producers wish to thank in this film is the Babes Institute. Although it's like the S on Babes has a little vertical line hanging out the bottom. And I think it's actually just like some Romanian ah. word, like Babas or something. But still, Babes Institute. Yeah. Okay, here, there will be, uh, we're doing, uh, this is from uh, Gary Tunnicliffe. Uh, we're doing lots of hooks, lots of box stuff, and lots and lots of gore. All of these were lies. There will also be an homage of sorts to the female Cenobite that appeared in the earlier films. And there will be an appearance by the Chatterer. They may not be lies. That may just be what was on the production schedule. I mean, I'm assuming <laughs> Gary didn't, like, you know, edit the film, so. Yeah, that's true. It's... It just, it just reminds me of the, there's a Chinese restaurant near my friend's place where they, they advertise it as fresh, healthy, and authentic, and it is none of those things. <laughs> Man, I would love a Chinese uh, takeout place to special order Le Marchand's takeout boxes. That would be, I would, I, the food could be terrible. I would eat there like every week anyway. <laughs> well, not eat there, order there and go, yeah. Yeah, no, speaking of the, the effects thing, like one of the quotes from Tim Day that I read, uh, he's saying, talking about how he's working on the the script and how when he got to the original script written by uh, uh, the guy whose name's not really Neil Marshall Stevens or whatever, uh, he was talking about how it opened great and he really loved the opening, but then unfortunately, by the middle of the second act, it started to wander a bit and got real expensive with a lot of <laughs> creature and prosthetic effects. Stan Winston was a producer on this project, and his company was going to handle all of the creature effects. And the implication here is Tim Day is saying, fortunately, I saved it. And I just want to say, seriously, fuck Tim Day. <laughs> I mean, come on. You just described classic Hellraiser film and then said, but thank gosh I was here to 
No, make sure that instead we had more subways, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> yes. So that's a, that's a thing, man. And yeah, I mean, I talked about how the production crews seem to overlap so much and that was the only real big crazy credit thing when I realized, oh man, if I look these up, yeah, it was a whole, whole goddamn thing. So I kind of want to know more about that. I should look into that more. There was a, uh, there was an allusion to the original, uh, cause the music for this was all just like really, really, uh, just sort of standard kind of like trumpet well not trumpet but like horns and like drums horror movie music but there was uh a, at, at the very last part where like uh amy comes face to face with pinhead they play the music from the original like the original hellraiser original composed music haha just a brief moment which was pretty cool um yeah that's it's the most trivia I can get on this. Nobody cares about this movie. Um, yeah. do, including do you us. Yeah, including uh, us. We just spent three hours talking about yeah, it. So. This is a movie I can never, ever return to and, and yeah. be, be totally happy. <sighs> yep. Okay, well. Uh, um, so next week we'll be doing uh, Hell World which is the one that takes place in the MMO I think is that is that yes. the one yeah well I don't think if it's even an MMO it's like a it's there's a there's an ARG of some sort online of course they don't have the vocabulary for it at, at the time and they end up going to basically a party it's a party that they go through it would be so much better if it had been a full on terrible MMO thing but no they're just sort of like it's more like a party convention at a house uh, yeah. and then it goes from there have you, you you've not watched it yet I'm watching. I will not spoil it for you because because it'll spoil spoil it for you by itself. Yeah, I want you to be. I want you to be able to be disappointed by the film itself. But hey, Lance Henriksen. Is it going to be like uh, what is it, Hellseeker, where one of the characters spoils the ending in a line of dialogue? I don't even remember. It's like it's pretty. It's I remember the broad structures in a couple moments, but it's pretty forgettable in its own right. So uh, so I I think you'll you'll have a good time with it there. Uh, And by good, I mean bad yeah. <laughs> uh but it should be yours i want you to authentically experience it for the first time uh i refuse yourself. to i will ironically experience it you know you, you know how sometimes you're like i wish i could read this book again or see this book again for the first time yeah i i wish i could have not bothered to see this movie again <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> you know really 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 be able to savor that experience of not having spent my my hour and a half or whatever it is on it and it's such a bummer too because I love Lance Henriksen and it's, he's in such a shitty movie. It's wait, Lance Henriksen's in. Oh Lance yeah, oh yeah, Ooh. he is. I do love Lance Henriksen. Yeah, I mean, and and he chews a little bit of scenery and it's nice. You know, he's being Lance Henriksen. Mm. You know? He's in an episode of Hannibal, but grossly underused. And also, I just want to say again that if there's horror fans watching this or listening to this who aren't watching Hannibal, fucking watch Hannibal. Isn't doesn't Gillian Anderson make an appearance she, on it? She she she's a recurring character. Fucking a, that's awesome. She is she's his psychiatrist. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, hell, uh, even more so than now. She does a great job. Uh, yeah, so it's wonderful, wonderful series. And the season's over, so those of you who, you know, wait till the trade paperback comes out can, you know, watch yeah, it. Now's the time to scoop it up. Yeah. Oh, should we play Invent a Cenobite? I guess that's oh, that's the yeah. traditional uh, thing. Yeah. You you can you can go first. I'm looking around. Uh, oh shit. Uh, oh man. 
what am I uh, what am I gonna do here? Oh, okay, I got it. This is this is so lame because this is just running off something. But cross stitch. Uh, this is Cenobite who uh, was was actually this is going against form because it's actually a little old, like like eighty year old lady, you know, and she was already a, a, a old old lady, you know, sitting around like you know doing cross stitch and whatnot, and then she like she got tired of her her husband or her cat or something, and she actually like killed whatever and then she like you know did a cross stitch in its flesh uh to like leave a a, a murder note oh because that's what you do you leave murder notes right <laughs> or whatever and and, and, and then she ends up getting cenobited somehow uh cenobitten if you will and uh and, and so then her thing is that she does cross stitch like on her own flesh to uh, record things she's like you know she'll sort of cross stitch a picture of something terrible that has happened or is going to happen to someone and so every time you see her you see her like cross stitching like you know some sort of threat or doom or something like that in uh, little crosses in her is there flesh a big reveal? she removes her overcoat and like from the back and you see like the words bless this mess cross stitched into the back <laughs> yes. hell sweet hell uh <laughs> a good one note that there's no p in our ool of blood please help us keep it that way (laughs) no okay you know i I had an idea but now my idea is just uh cena spencer who is the cenobite who uh is is composed entirely of spencer's gifts merchandise (laughs) for a head he's got one of those touchy globes that like uh the capacitor globes where your fingers get the his entire chest is that like pin art thing that he impales people in and then their like death expression stays in, in, in it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there needs to be a whole like Hellraiser at the Mall thing. That could work. <laughs> that could be how, how the anthology, okay, the anthology thing where Pinhead. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about that during this no, podcast or I, just I over email? I think we did. I think people are now confused. Oh, okay, so I had this idea for a, a pinhead, uh, a, hor- a Hellraiser anthology TV show. So it'd be like Outer Limits or Tales from the Crypt. Uh, but Pinhead would be the Crypt Keeper, and the idea is he would introduce each little anthology horror short, like you know, half hour or hour long TV horror movie. Uh, so you'd get your pinhead, but he wouldn't have to be shoehorned into the story, so it wouldn't be sort of dumb the way it is in all of these movies. Uh, it could just be a standalone, you know, Barker-flavored uh, horror pastiche. Yeah. Um, but now I'm thinking, instead of Pinhead maybe, you know, sitting around in his easy chair smoking a pipe, Pinhead could be showing you, like, the mall of horror. Uh, and oh, is so this, every, like, every, gallery? Yeah, so every episode he'd, like, walk up to the storefront <laughs> of another store at, like, Hell's Mall and, you know, and look inside and you can see such things to purchase, you know, uh, longing. And, and then, then, yeah, then, then the story would take place somehow in a mall-themed context. I don't know. I think I, I like I, the I, original I, idea better, but I kind of like the idea of Hellraiser <laughs> running a mall. And it'd be cool if he was just dressed like he was working in that store in the mall. So the one in Foot Locker, he's actually dressed in that, like, you know, black and white referee uh, <laughs> polo shirt. In Victoria's Secret, he's wearing lingerie. Yes, yes, it could work. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, Buy our scripts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hire us. Let's make this happen. It's not like yep. it could go worse. <laughs> well, that's probably that's probably about it. I guess go as usual. Go check out the yep. uh, the Tumblr. We've got we have yep. such films to show you. Tumblr. Com. We're on uh, Facebook. 
Yeah, uh, just have such films to show you on Facebook. Uh, one of you wrote a, a, a delightful thing, and I, I'm totally spacing on your name. You know, let me just pull this up to uh, who was it? Somebody just just wrote a delightful little review of one of our podcasts in just roughly the way that we review the movies. Benjamin Dionysus. Benjamin Dionysus. If you go to the Facebook page, he wrote a lovely little... Oh, God, yeah, that was great. That was (laughs) very funny. So we'd like to encourage such things. And you can check it out on the previous episode's uh, post on Facebook. And so this post will be going on Facebook as well. And rate us up on iTunes and write reviews and... And if you uh, want to have a flame war about this thing somewhere, please do. Let us know. We'll come. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you, can, you can get it, both of us, via Twitter, too, if you just want to shout mm-hmm. directly at us. We've got those listed on, on the Tumblr blog. But uh, yep. I'm at Josh Millard. Uh, and I'm Griff with a PH. So G-R-I-P-H. Uh, and yeah. Well, okay. I think uh, we may have breached the record for longest oh, yeah. episode of this now it's, it's close i feel like we got pretty long on a previous one too but uh yep. somehow i still i remain surprised that the film's getting worse does not make the podcast shorter yeah i was actually i was speaking with a friend of mine yesterday and she was just like yeah i've been listening to your podcast but they're so long i'm like i know <laughs> we don't know how to do it else yeah we should really try I've, doing a, a commentary track sometime i don't know how to work out the timing the on that, podcast but, uh, like a commentary no 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 track like, like, like pod- do a podcast oh. as a commentary real-time commentary over a film it would be sure it would keep us yeah it would keep us in check <laughs> I have no idea how the uh, how did this get made. People do it in an hour. I, yeah. I really have it. That's restraint, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Fuck that. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Happy Happy Hell Raisin. Yes, and yeah, happy Oh, happy Fourth of July and or Canada Day. Oh yeah. 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 Post post after the yeah yeah whatever. Hope you blew some stuff up. Have a good time. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye.